0: Navarro retrieves the cremains of her sister, with the help of Rose buries her at sea. While on the ice, she feels the same call that drove her mother and sister insane, and almost falls into the ice before Rose is able to bring her back. Later on, a child points at her, triggering an intense flashback of all the ghostly messages she's received this year. Chief Danvers is feeling the heat as pressure from the mining company and the powerful moneyed interests behind it seem to be trying to shut her case down and obstruct her investigation. She's forced to back off when Chief Connolly reveals that he knows the truth of the Wheeler case. The Navarro and Danvers killed the man and staged it to look like a suicide. Danvers' daughter's rough experience at a mining protest and Navarro's passion and force of will caused Danvers to reconsider closing the case. She decides to color outside the lines by kidnapping Otis Heiss and providing him heroin in exchange for a guided tour of night country. Unfortunately, Hank, under orders of the mining company, meets her at her house and murders Heiss. The gunshots attract his son, Peter, before he's able to kill Danvers and stage the scene. Hank then commits patricide by cop when he attempts to shoot Danvers, forcing Pete to kill him.
1: Welcome to The World We Deserve, the officially unofficial podcast for True Detective on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're back for uh, another episode... We missed the instant take, so I watched this a little late. But uh, we're talking about Night Country Part Five. It's episode five of season four. Uh, Aaron, what'd you think about this episode? Uh,
0: before I state, I would like it to be reflected in the record that I love and respect women. I I like them uh, having a better nothing a better good place ever starts Hollywood. like this. I hope you I, know. I, I like to have a spirit of curiosity and respect towards indigenous peoples mm-hmm um god i hope there's no butt I, coming i thought that this this episode the stuff that i really enjoy was executed at an extremely high level and it's most of the things that actually matter you know in terms of character plot and arc and whatnot however i'm increasingly finding some of the procedural aspects of this episode detached from reality like i thought, thought a lot of like the police work and, and even looking back, because I even remember in a couple of, it's, it's like you know, depending on how the season goes, I might have some stronger criticisms about some of the stuff that comes from. But like, I, mm-hmm. I just, I just don't know. Like, there's some of the aspects of this <sighs> somehow simultaneously very extremely small isolated community that's also a bustling metropolis that also has to ship people off to like b- bigger towns, the dentists for dentist, even though the town has a dentist office. Uh, that's right next to the dry cleaner. Apparently, had like had that's the police station now. Oh, is it? Yeah. Why does it still say? Di- oh, I guess it's the because the signs a still lot up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they, but, they but, I mean, so, 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 so there you go. Sounds. That's and like I said, I'm I, I'm not. I don't want to push too hard, but like yeah, I found a lot of the actual procedural aspects of the police stuff um, and some of the things that they did at the mining protest and stuff just feel not really tethered in any kind of reality, and it could be. And I was just thinking about this. Um, it, it could be intentional. And then there's and two ways about it. It's like, imagine going up to Steven Spielberg in like, you know, 1980 and or 1980, whatever. And you're like, you know, I thought some of this movie was thrilling, but I have some serious questions about the archaeology in your film about this lost ark, Mr. Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Like, this is nothing about my familiar. And it's like, okay, that's, you know, well, you've missed a point, right? Um, me being critical about the police work and some of the other reasons. She she, uh, Issa Lopez might be like, ah, who cares? You know, you're missing a point for that. Um, but to, yeah, it's like it, it, it feels to me like um, a lot of the stuff was written with like some kind of like uh, the knowledge of police work coming from like mostly 80s action films you know <laughs> okay I'm a lot of to... jurisdiction jur- jurisdiction my in a lot of personal conflict i don't know i, I but mm-hmm. the the other thing is like also it could be um an intentional kind of bait to bait like uh, a commentator like myself into um having all these minute problems with the police work and the procedural this and how unrealistic it is and yet you know there's been generations of like shoddy content about native people you know put out in the media and swallowed by an uncritical audience that you know doesn't go back and check the facts and and to this day like if, if uh isa lopez trotted out the first two episodes and just got the inupiac experience wildly wrong just like offensively wrong i would not fucking know until i got on twitter mm-hmm. and saw Anupiak people being like what the fuck is going on you know so like it, it maybe maybe she's just like yeah i'm just doing whatever the hell i want the police work and if uh to make the good story and if you don't like it uh that's i don't know i got I, so it's like i might i might be getting baited but the stuff i really liked that shit with hank and pete has been extremely well told and just completely gut-wrenching um the stuff with navarro is extremely spooky. Uh, I really love the naked conspiracy now with the mining trying to like you know uh, cover up this stuff, and I really thought there's some really interesting. I'm starting to see some details that connect the different experiences of the missing, the the, the different missing people, and and you know the, from Otis Heist to the Salal guys to Andy K. Um, but ultimately, yeah, like I think a lot is riding on this finale episode. I'm sorry it took five minutes to tell you my opinion but it's complicated. Jim, what
1: <laughs> no did you problem? think of the episode? Uh, yeah, look, I'm not going to say this is a perfect show by any means. Uh, I don't know that I've ever seen a perfect show, but I, I really enjoyed this episode. I think it, it I can, I can, if something blows me away, like the last few minutes of this episode did, I can overlook a lot of sins, even sure. if they're egregious ones. And I don't think this show has made super egregious sins. I, I think, there's sure a little, there, there's some question marks around the edges for me about like, why did a character do this? Or why did we see this and not that? Um, and, and I will, I will say if you have pacing issues with this, I understand. I don't, I think it's been paced pretty well for my taste. Uh, but this last few minutes of this episode, if there are any sins to cover, it's doing it because it is so a well acted. I mean, a, a guy you know Pete a, a guy who I don't know from Adam uh as far as acting goes has really impressed me in that scene there there's there's a lot of subtlety in that performance and then obviously jody Foster is just crushing it and then John Hawks I mean a guy that I'm kind of supposed to hate but simultaneously feel bad for he's nailing that uh and mm-hmm. in this scene and never more than in this scene so I think that, A, from an acting perspective is incredible, and B, the it has paid off so much of that foundation. I mean, it's it's stuff that we looked at over the course of the season and said, oh, is this paced right? You know, with Pete and Hank and Pete and Liz and all of the stuff that they're laying down there has paved the road to this moment, and it pays off so huge. I think that alone is worth the admission price for this episode. Yeah, I almost kicked it to you first because I thought it'd be better to have your
0: positivity th- th- than that I could come in and like yeah, and I think it would have played better. Shit, we should have done that because okay. I completely I agree. It. I, I saved it. <laughs> I completely... <laughs> His podcast was cut, yeah. was going was on thin ice. <laughs> it was cracking, was falling through, and and Jim yep. uh, he pulled, I me said, pulled me back. Lay down. Why are you walking out into that uh, that ocean, Aaron? Mm-hmm. Um Because you're exactly right. Like the way like if if Issa had i'm sorry ms lopez had to manage the plot here and there to get things to kind of like naturally because like i just remember this is my experience watching it i was like what the fuck danvers is just fucked there's no way she's going to get out of this Mm -hmm. situation and then pete comes rolling to gun i'm like he's in the backyard of course he heard the shots And like all that stuff just came like kabam and like that is really that's really fine plotting and
1: pacing. And and from a character Um, perspective, I mean, you need you need Hank to believe that he's lost everything in this final moment when he comes in like he's he's essentially committing suicide by cop here Um, and it's his own son and it's it's incredibly devastating and it's all like the groundwork that's been laid him playing guitar him with his bride him like all these things that you think are just kind of like oh they're I get it they're trying to make me hate this guy oh I get it they're trying to make me feel sad for this guy no they're building to this moment where he can have a realization based on all the history that we've seen with him and his son it's it's incredible And, and the connections between him and Liz right like his feelings like she's stolen my son I don't have anything anymore I yeah. What am I gonna live for? It's yeah, I think it was well orchestrated. And as sympathetic as I am to him, still at the end he dies
0: the worst kind of coward. Yep. Like this this fucking yep. impulse here is where I forget what the, the phrase that I've just become aware of called like a family terminator. Like, you know, when like a dad like a mm. dad loses his job or mm. has a health scare and his whole fucking world's over, so instead of like dealing with the shame of that, he just comes, murders his entire family, kills himself. Wow. Just, like, just like fucking this impulse here of like I don't know what to do I'm fucking mm-hmm. cursed my life is a, this, this patricide by cop is what I had in my notes is just <laughs> again I felt sorry for this guy in a way that I didn't think I would when we first started to meet him mm-hmm. and I get where he's coming from but Jesus Christ the whole meme of guys will do anything except for go to therapy guys will literally <laughs> force their own son to blow their heads off uh-huh. Rather than fucking talk to somebody about their goddamn problems, the question is: um, Will
1: Pete go to therapy? Because boy, he's gonna need some.
0: Yeah, and I don't think it's too late for Pete. I think Kayla's te- uh-huh. trying to tell him that she's fucking serious about shit. But you know, like I think there's a lot of stuff that um, that that uh, that, they're, that they're trying to code to heat. It's not too late. He can probably turn this around. He doesn't have to be his dad. Uh, sure. And I don't think he wants to I think he wants to be a better better man for Darwin. So I hope he gets it together. But on the other hand, Jesus Christ, this is a this is a lot. This
1: is a lot of weight to carry as a young man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And especially into the next episode. I don't I don't think he's gonna be okay next episode. (laughs) It's gonna take years
0: yeah there is uh and I, I got a lot of other like uh things here and there to, to talk about the episode mm-hmm. things i liked, things I didn't like things that things that felt funny to me with my experiences but uh that uh, the the central stuff here is is real good
1: okay well maybe we should get into the episode you're listening to the world we deserve we'll be right back
0: Here's what's new and premium content for our club members.
1: No lunch this week, as I'll be traveling on vacation, but get ready for next week when we have the rare, elusive, dare I say premium lunch with Talitha and Aaron. And while you're waiting for the return of the king, don't forget May is the time to switch your Patreon
0: tiers to make sure you maintain your full benefits by June. Stop by support.ballmove.com to check your Patreon levels to see the new benefits and decide which one is right for you.
1: And finally, tickets are now on sale for Badass Fest 6. Come meet us live and in person. Watch a mystery badass film with us and then hear us record the podcast right there in front of you in a theater packed with Bald Move fans. Get your details and your tickets at baldmove.com slash live.
0: If you want more Bald Move in your life, head over to support.baldmove.com right now to find out how you can get tons of bonus audio and video content plus ad free feeds. back with more of the world we deserve. All right, Jim, I this is this was I was a a hard intro to write. It's hard to condense all the things that kind of like go into the plot of this episode. And I found it very hard to kind of logically break these up into discrete things that we can talk about. Um, But I want to start with Julie, what I call Julie and Evie and the call of the void. Uh, this this kind of like inevitability this destiny to navarro and her family um what did you what do you think of the cremate the, the let's start with the cremation stuff hmm um i will say that um as you people probably know I missed the instant take we missed the instant take Jim was traveling i was doing some some volunteer work. Um, and so I come into this episode with almost no awareness. Like I, 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 or this is like the first time in a long time I've come into an episode days after discussion is formed around it and I try to avoid it. Right. But I'm on social media. I'm on Reddit. I see like the headlines of like, you know, people saying, you know, oh my God, this is an eventful episode or, oh my God, this is this or that, or, oh my God, this is uniquely terrible or this is the one. So like I had all these like kind of thoughts swirling, like what could cause people this late to turn against this? When I saw a bo- the body cre- the body being cremated, I thought, "Oh my God, Connolly's got his hands on the body, and he just started burning them up. <laughs> and I, they're yeah. like the first 30s, 30, 30 seconds of this scene, I'm just like beside myself, like, "No fucking shot. Are they? Oh my!" And it turns uh-huh. out it was just it was just
1: Evie picking up her sister. Yeah, uh, which I like. I mean, I do worry that once those ashes go cold there's going to be a bit of a problem for Evangeline because she's, at that point, truly lost her sister. But she she takes them out to, you know, she she makes them cold by the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, I did have a question about whether you, would those, those ashes would,
0: would still be, like, hot after the pulverization process and all that. But, you know, I guess she's getting them right from, quote-unquote, the oven, so maybe. And, it, it, yeah. and, like, that's the thing, is, like, she's... Didn't get a chance to give her sister one last hug while her body was warm, obviously. And this Mm -hmm. is kind of like manifestly that that scene and symbolic. Yeah,
1: it's a sweet moment for sure. Uh, I I really feel her love there. And there's like this kind of like black
0: absurdity kind of humor with uh, her sister's cremains being belted in the backseat like...
1: Uh huh. Yeah.
0: You know. I mean, obviously, you don't want to spill that, but that's ob- also kind of funny that you're treating this this urn like a like a real person to be safeguarded, and it's it's back to the the baby girl, you know, stuff. This uh, older sister relationship she had with her so- daughter, or I'm sorry, her her sister. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think happens with the ice on the ice with her and Rose?
1: What happens? What do you mean? What happens? She almost falls well, I mean, through. We we see her once safety. again she she flashes to the overturned
0: truck uh, on the desert mountainous kind of battlefield. Oh. World, apparently, yeah, yeah.
1: She hears a voice whispering Evangeline, and then this listen. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess it's a manifestation of the the call, right? That that we've been hearing about.
0: Yeah, it's one because it's it makes me wonder what like Julie was seeing in the interior of her call. Like what mm-hmm. thing was she, cause because Evangeline kind of has like the terrifying imagery of like ghosts pointing at her and screaming and things like that. And then she also has this, that feels more like a personal journey, you know, that she's being guided through. And I wonder if there is. We've, cause we've, we've been trying to figure out which kind of ghost does she got? She got the ghost that wants to tell her something, the ghost that wants her to follow. Is it possible there's more than one ghost that's got like there there's like a, a push and pull between two particular ghosts, one malevolent and one that's more benevolent that's trying to help her understand and heal and one that's trying to get her to just lay down and die?
1: Yeah, I think it's possible. I, I mean, I'm trying to connect it with the dots of Holden uh, communicating through her with Liz. Um that to me was was sort of out of the pocket of what I expected in yeah. in these visions. The visions should be all about you, right? If they're just visions. I don't know why Holden comes to her if these visions are just that. Because so, he wants her to die. <laughs> sure. Maybe. <laughs> is there some is there some actual connection to the spiritual world here, you know? That's kind of where my head's at yeah. with that. Because uh, in that her, case, yeah, she could be connected to all sorts of ghosts. It's not just her own sort of internal delusions manifesting here. It's it's an actual real place or thing. Yeah, um, I really liked the fact that the ice
0: cracking—that was super cool. When she looks down, you see the ice just kind of fracture. Ugh, terrifying. Can you imagine?
1: <laughs> can you imagine?
0: I. It's the yeah it's it's a nice setup to um, the the Pete and Hank story that we hear later but like the idea of like falling through the ice and into the ocean where there's currents and it's just you know it, it is also in the, it's eternally dark at this point not eternally but for weeks on end it's just it's uniquely frightening thing you know with I, I think've I've been yeah. on record as like the most chilling death I've seen in bald move history was I believe season one in Fargo where these henchmen slid a still living man conscious into an ice hole and then plugged it back up mm-hmm. like i think that's uh and i've seen a lot man the, i could go driver you know brian Cranston and driver okay that's a, yeah the, that's a really mm-hmm, chilling bl- yeah like like that yeah, but fuck that but, scene
1: <laughs> i hate that scene <laughs> falling brutal. into
0: dark frozen water man alive uh Oof, and, oh, yeah yeah let's move on before i i have an episode um <laughs> all right <laughs> so she's later at the the laundromat uh the grandma's laundromat and she sees some hair moving in a pile of clothes that that was interesting not her sister's hair
1: yeah not blue
0: um probably Maybe not even her,
1: that's what I, I was thinking
0: yeah it could be her mom's hair too mom looks like she had similar hair but like yeah this is and it's it's these This weight she's carrying it's not just her mom, it's not just her sister. it's not even just Annie. I think it's like the collective weight of these you know native women that are mm-hmm. uh uh put through it put through the ringer um and used up it's it's like it's all kind of running together. It's like what I think is is the symbolism here
1: yeah, and i'm i mean so so i'm it obviously like really affects her when it happens, right she's digging through the laundry as if there would be something in there. Yeah. That she could find that would be maybe a clue for Annie's death or something. Uh or maybe Annie herself. I don't know how I don't know what she's seeing when she sees this past cause because then we're kind of out of her perspective and into uh Kayla's perspective. But um the the interesting thing there is with that vision uh that she has earlier, I feel like they're I look back at the the bleeding ears thing from last episode and I say, OK, she was probably experiencing something similar there, but there was no water to walk out into. Right. The disassociation that you're seeing here is. I, I think we get to see it from the outside when Liz walks up on her last episode and here we've always and here and before when she's seeing Holden, we've seen it from the inside. Yeah. So Cause... I assume that's what she's doing. She's just walking in in this kind of stupor like she was sitting next to the Christmas tree. Yeah, and Rose, you know, she's not responsive. Rose is trying to get her to turn around and to stop. And yeah, and that's interesting too. Which maybe we could talk about that uh, in the feedback section. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's a couple of interesting theories about Rose, which we'll have to talk about there.
0: Um, so she is disturbed by all these experiences and feeling kind of bereft. So she <laughs> does what she does. She breaks into. Kavik's house uh, again and crawls into bed with him and he starts to ask questions but she's not looking to ask or answer any questions herself nevertheless um, when Liz will later call and say hey I got the you know the investigations back on I need you over here right now um, you can tell that uh, Kavik wants to kind of like tell her to stay this is bad for you just be Mm -hmm. here warm and safe and happy with me but uh, he won't instead he just says come back just wants her to come back yeah yeah that that
1: relationship has developed pretty well you know it's my feelings on it are a far side from where they were in the first episode i could say that for Mm -hmm. sure uh i think they could be good together i no longer suspect Kavok of murders because he's been such a side player here but that i would shame on me and Final episode. Mildly outraged
0: if Kavik turns out to be a murderer, and I, I don't yeah. think I've changed my mind on the Kavik. Uh, like I think Navar terrible for Kavik, and his life will probably be worse with her in it.
1: <laughs> Maybe much so, like
0: yeah. you know many many other people that the the damaged protagonist of other shows I've liked have dated. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. not usually good and end, but he's yeah, he's that uh, he's that guy. He's the 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 eternally concerned partner that worries the death and waits at home for her and wonders if she's ever gonna you know like that that just kind of you know hell like he's uh, she he's mcnulty's wife <laughs> sure yeah he's woody harrelson's wife um mm-hmm. so yeah and uh i'm I'm curious to see so does this is, so I, I want to get to the next point and then then a larger point I want to talk about with Navarro. Which is, you know, so she, she leaves, she leaves Cavick and she heads across town to go to Liz's house and she sees driving through downtown Ennis' child who kind of gets this like catatonic look and points at her and it kind of has this cascading flashback of all sometimes outright ghosts, sometimes people who are about to be ghosts like Lund that point at her open mouth and kind of scream to get her attention. Mm hmm. Do we think that Navarro is going to die? Do we think
1: that she's going to resist the call of the void? Uh, I do not think she's going to resist. I think she's probably going to die by the end. I was thinking about
0: the history of protagonists and true detective. And again, this not necessarily yeah. is a true detective pro- product, but like neither of the main protagonists die in season one, no. even though kind of rust is coded. Like he is suicidal Mm-hmm. Um, tried to kill, you know, like like the talks about killing himself many times. um Get stabbed, doesn't die. Frank, Frey, Frank and Ray both die in season two. Oh, okay. I know one of them walks Vince, into the desert. Vince, yeah, Vince Vaughn gets stabbed, yeah. walks in the desert, and uh, Ray, who is played by Colin F- Farrell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get first and Farrell, Colin Farrell he gets uh, shot in the in the woods like right as he tries to send a message to i think his son and mm. the message okay. doesn't go through tragic uh Wayne and Roland both live to a ripe old age in season 3 of true detective so it's kind of like all over the place you know mm. sometimes, li- both live, sometimes both die, they live both die both live
1: ooh are we ready for a both die i think so <laughs> <laughs> we'll see i don't think liz is gonna die but who knows who knows she's kind of
0: coded as tragic too Definitely. and i wonder boy i could i actually could see a situation where danvers dies to save navarro because you know danvers is old and kind of i mean sure how i've <laughs> she's only like 15 years away from where i'm at now so you know, yeah she's but no, not she's. Old. 60 yeah she's lived her life and she's had her loves and she's lost and she's kind of like just animated by bitterness and resentment right like whereas navarro still has potentially her whole life ahead and she has her um what what's the uh, she's got her potential soulmate and Kavok and you know hasn't had children yet etc cetera, etc cetera. i could see that too but i uh, yeah i i I feel like there's better than even odds that one of these women are not going
1: to make it out of the season yeah yeah Evangeline has so much so much mental stuff to deal with yeah I I don't know man she she seems like she's on the edge I mean she's literally on the edge right that's what the cracking ice is all about sure I also want to point out that death does not
0: necessarily mean an unhappy ending either okay like tale of two cities this is far far be- better thing that I do now. Um, I think sure. that uh, yeah, if you if you especially um, you know someone like Liz, if she would heroically sacrifice to give her you know Dan, Dan or give give uh, Navarro a chance to live a whole he- uh, healthy happy life, I wouldn't say that would be unhappy.
1: You know, yeah, uh, I could see her sacrificing herself. I could see her sacrificing herself for Pete also. Uh, sure, although he's not you know going to be at the the caves or likely. Leah or kind of both, you know, Leah. Yeah. You wonder what the poetic... mining company
0: is going to do now that they've lost their hitman. Like, I, sure. Yeah. Did they do something really fucking crazy? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Well, this kind of, uh, dovetails into the conversation we want to have next about the mining protest. So let's talk about the mine protest. Um, Liz looks at the maps, finds out that the cave's on mine property. Um, there's this conversation that Navarro has with her, where she incidentally reveals that she's bisexual. And also, they had this really interesting conversation where Liz jumps to like calling these protesters these crazy radicals, and Navarro's like, "They're not crazy. The water's poisoning people. What the hell's mm-hmm. the matter with you, right?" Um.
1: Yeah, Liz seems so. And then she says, "I know. I know." And it's like a, it's like a thing where she does know, like intellectually, but she hasn't internalized it. She, and she's in such a weird position too. I, I kept thinking, man, Liz is a person with great authority in this place and yet she has no authority to shut down the mining operation. I mean, she can't, there's no cause for it, right? Like according to, by the book, like. They're not doing anything illegal. If all the pollution results come back and say, Yep, we're good. Mine's not a problem, she has no authority to shut it down, even though she knows it's killing the town, it's killing mm-hmm. the people in it and the babies. And like it's killing her relationship with her daughter. Like there's nothing she can do about it. And it must be infuriating to have that much power, yeah. but be so powerless for this to scenario.
0: Be, yeah, there's uh, you know, the the statement about the law exists to protect but not bind some people and also to bind but not protect others
1: Yeah, feels like it's that's like this really Fargo right
0: <laughs> yeah yeah this and this feels yeah. like it's ground zero for that kind of philosophy here where it's like mm-hmm. the minds have enough mo- uh, power and money to just buy research that says there's no evidence you know Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be, it'd be nice if Leah could just be like a billionaire like Tony Stark and be like, well, there's right. there, there's no there's no evidence that uh, I
1: broke in and did this graffiti. It's like, what about these pictures? And he just light, lights them on fire. There's no pictures. <laughs> sure. Or she starts her own research station with her massive pile of cash. And they say, right. yep, there is actually pollution. Shut it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but
0: there's also like I, I find it interesting to people's reactions to Leah. Like, you know, the pride that she had when she had her, like, the finger smeared over her face and she's gearing up for the protest and there's a scene where her and her girlfriend, Sherry, are looking admiringly in the mirror. And people, like, I saw some people said that, like, that's evidence that the these people are not really in it for the right reasons. They're young and they're dumb and they're doing it more for the image. And I don't know because, like, I, I started thinking about, like, um, U.S. Marines on a whole are very very proud of their image like the image of a marine in a dress uniform is something that inspires pride i think there's probably two types of marines um i don't know what the percentage is but there's probably ones that like always kind of wanted to be a marine or like had that kind of calling to protect the country because of the heritage because their dad or brother or uncle was one and when they're standing in front of themselves for the first time in that uniform they're probably feeling a lot of things and I wouldn't call any of those things fake and there's probably other people that like I don't know there's probably a couple guys that just got into it for the look because they wanted to be a badass or whatever and they're like you know they're Uh feeling different things but there's probably also a lot of commonality and I thought what I got was like that Sherry is definitely there kind of for the look and for the vibe and for the Instagram post but this is real for
1: Leah and and it has to be I mean there's, there's a reason they made Sherry white um it's it plays into the theme of this entire season, which is the mistreatment yeah. of native women in this place, right? And Sherry has the option to sort of just step away from it because she's not yeah. wearing it constantly, right? Um, and for her, yeah, it does feel a little performative, <sighs> maybe a little bit like, oh, I want to be with Leah, so this is kind of a thing that I can do to get her to like me a little bit. But then, yeah. at the first sign of any resistance, any any cost to that, she flees. Um, yeah. and, and, and abandons Leah, right?
0: Right, and that's one of the reasons why you a lot of times when you get really into kind of like protest uh, culture or civil rights groups and movements, they are reflexively kind of distrustful towards... Outside. I hate using the word white because I feel like that just raises people's hackles, but it's true. Uh, you could say the in-group, the majority group, mm-hmm. the group that has the disproportionate political power, whatever, if that makes it more palatable. But yeah, because like the, the, there's there's a, this uh, common experience of when minorities are joined by the in-group uh, to, to be their allies is when the going gets tough, those allies melt away and leave the minorities there to face the disproportionate consequences. Or the other side of it is the minorities are there doing the peaceful protest, and then the white folks <sighs> that feel safe start breaking windows and punching cops. And now, again, sure. when the legal consequences come, they fall disproportionately on... So it's like it, it, it's in a microcosm the stakes are of, not there,
1: right? There, yeah. there, there's, a, there's an investment there. Like, no matter how sincere you are in your beliefs that like, this is the right thing to do, the stakes aren't as high for you yeah. if you're an outsider
0: in that group it's different from being an ally and being one of the belligerents you know if you're like sure. the group oh, yeah. that, if you're in the country that's being attacked you can't fucking get out you can't just be like mm-hmm. all right well i'm just gonna peace out of the situation if you're an ally to that country you can always just be like you know what spend enough time and money and and uh we've really supported you but boy what are we gonna do just let's just go down with you and that's right. uh it's one of the reasons why it's really hard to build coalitions and and keep them going,
1: but uh no, no I, I thought I, mean, that I think was they did a nice. really good job with that uh in this yeah. season, and I think you know that applies to Liz as well, and it's been the frustration of Leah the entire time. It's just why won't why won't you a acknowledge that this is a problem and b do anything about it yeah, and she yeah. had this person in Sherry who she thought was true blue, but then <laughs> she runs away at the first sign of trouble and you see how leah turns on her fuck sherry right right well i mean
0: sure and then into this situation uh enters officer navarro Mm. in full riot gear to come protect the uh the mining interests um which is seen as despicable by leah um i thought it's interesting that leah is the one that throws the bottle that actually hits her in the head Mm -hmm. um and uh she also sees the ghost of Annie. You can see that Annie is like literally judging her from the grave and she gets hit by this thing. And then a fellow trooper comes in, and starts brutalizing Leah for daring to strike the officer. Um, Sherry runs off and Navarro wades in and saves her and then beats the other cop up. And here's, here's a big problem. I, this, this is patently absurd to me. Which um, one of the things could have happened without breaking my suspension of disbelief. Navarro could absolutely punch this cop. And cross that thin blue line and get tons of shit and an instant, like, you know, time off to think about it uh, while you're under investigation review. Or she could have not punched a cop and said something like, whoa, whoa, this is a cop's kid, you know, and the guy'd be like, well, or, you know, well, you fucking sort with her and then, you know, then she kind of, but like the idea that she can just punch out a cop. And then later on, you find out there was an investigation there was a kerfuffle and the other cop got suspended. I don't buy it. I don't buy it's, it. it.
1: This is so I don't know why they didn't just make Navarro uh, Liz's direct report like that. That solves all of this. Liz is shielding her. Right. Like that could have been the case here, but yeah. they made her on an entirely separate force where Liz doesn't have any sway. She can't get her yeah. off the hook here so but
0: she did that's literally what she said i call like you don't know how many favors i pulled but like but yeah then i mean the I other guess. cop got suspended why did you have to pull it seemed like he wasn't and i just that that to me that just never would happen like well, she went got suspended for beating a young girl
1: uh during a protest uh, uh, who threw a bottle out of not at him though he didn't get hit by it navarro yeah. did she, she didn't react so i yeah, i agree i agree it's dubious like say a lot one of, of those things stuff.
0: wouldn't have happened to be to be gotcha. real i mean you put yeah. across also like i can't you know ennis has a fully formed swat team or i guess the alaska state police yeah alaska state police probably does um i don't know it just seemed a little it seemed a little um wild to me uh mm-hmm. so i don't want to take up all the time with that so we will just going to move on um, Liz angrily confronts Pete thinking that, you know, since Leah has been out of her house for a couple of days, cause that's the other thing, a like passage of time here. I think they're telling us this yeah. is like New Year's Eve, right? They are December 31st. Yeah. Okay. Did they actually put that on the screen? Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause I, I, I must've missed it and I've watched this. I watched it. It's this right YouTube, at the beginning. Maybe... Uh, okay. it's December 31st, 14th day of night. Gotcha. Um, and they had the Al Long
1: sign kind of song. So I, I kind of was clued in. Um, but that's six days which... later. I mean, the timing right. is is interesting. I don't know if they're waiting to follow up on this investigation for Otis to sober up, um, to stop just saying night country,
0: night country, night country over again. But it sounds like it takes a while to get, uh, Yeah, and, and also Navarro had to heal, like this gives her a week to, yep. had you, to, you heal. Know, to heal up.
1: Uh, and um, I guess, you know, Pete's digging in the meantime, finding tax records and stuff. Uh, so the investigation is continuing, although it's right. it feels like it's in a sort of,
0: well also the bodies were you
1: had to do forensics on
0: eight bot or six corpses yep. and you had to get I the hope. findings back on that and the the findings just come back in this episode so that all felt like that's fine mm-hmm. but then so so liz though she thinks that pete's you know as, as his wife's got leah all spun up and he's like i didn't know anything about this um leah comes in and asks liz to book her and she gives her the cold shoulder <laughs> Uh, which makes Pete freak out a bit. Um, later, Pete brings Leah uh, a Pepsi and chips, and they kind of talk about what do you think about this conversation.
1: Uh, I mean, I, I like this conversation, and I I know this is a very this is a very human, very teenage maybe thing to do, but the last line that Leah says here really stuck with me, and she's talking about. Uh, Kayla and saying she's not good with people she cares about. Yeah. Right? She's talking about Kayla there, his his wife. Um, no, I think she's talking about Liz. Just says don't let Liz ruin you. She's not good with people she cares about. She's talking about her experience and Pete, I think. Okay, she is talking about that. Okay, great. Perfect. Because okay. I was wondering why she didn't apply that to her own mother here. Uh, But it sounds like that's who no, she's talking absolutely. about then. Okay, cool. Absolutely. R- r- complaint um, retracted.
0: About teenagers, we, we heard a story about uh, Pete making a positive impre- early impression on Kayla by essentially taking a fall in a game, mm-hmm. big game, to let another kid who had suffered this kind of crushing personal loss, his dad die, to give him a win. You know, yeah. in that that time, so that, that speaks well of Pete. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I did know, and this is like this is something that like you know uh, we talked about this throughout Bald Moves history, the the fact that. Uh, You know, most writers in Hollywood have been traditionally men. A lot of showrunners are men. And a lot of times when they write, like, uh, the protagonists, significant others and whatnot, like, there's something that's kind of, like, they're missing the other side analysis. The way these women keep referring to him as, like, this dopey golden retreat, the stupid idiot grin is kind of like... yeah. That is maddening. Like, I'm really getting it now in my heart where I did understand intellectually what it feels (laughs) like to be just completely disrespected or seen as like an inferior kind of um dumb like like head pat like oh don't worry your pretty little head kind of that because that's what i'm like this guy does yeah he's glad that he was kind and his wife noticed that but to walk away with this like this whole idiot grin and your your dopey golden retriever i don't know i i feel like um I feel like that that should be something they're intentionally doing, but I think it's just Issa Lopez writing writing these gals not thinking about how they're talking about the man, you know. Maybe I mean I, hmm. Like this, it's like I'm interesting to see when as we get all minority writing staffs, all women, female uh, women writing staffs, if there's going to be. Like this 360 degree review of like the blind spots. That, and then, when, then maybe in the 30, 40 years, we'll actually have like, you know, we, we can have uh, people telling whole stories or or whatever stuff that no one ever feels like that. But I, I definitely
1: felt like, God damn, Pete, Jesus. Yeah, I I, I want to say that in 2024, there should be an intentionality to that. Or I, I want to ascribe an intentionality where I, if it was, this was 1994, I would not ascribe intentionality to that. And at it all. might it be, be, the
0: intentionality oblivious. might be. I'm going to kind of write this in a condescending way so that you can like the men out there watching this male centric show can taste a little bit of that. Like, oh, that doesn't sit right with me or oh, that doesn't. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, the intentionality comes in with Pete's acknowledgement of it. Right. Pete understands that he's being belittled and he's being disrespected. And he doesn't like it. Whereas I feel like a show that isn't thinking about that from that angle just writes Pete as oblivious to it. But it's also possible that Issa Lopez just has
0: a little bit of a blind spot, and she wrote all these things, and she thought this is a really romantic, uh, maybe. Uh, supportive thing to say, and it's really sweet to say, and <laughs> kind of missed sure. the mark a little bit. And that's fine. That's fine. Because I've seen a thousand dudes be li- like, and and, and it's supposed to seen romantic and sexy and all that, but completely belittle and shit on their and yeah. even others in action films and police dramas and procedurals. Like it's like it's it's fine. It's fine. I'm not mad. I'm just pointing it out. Okay. Okay. Sure. All right. Um, so. It's funny that she. Um, I, I, I also thought it was interesting that like Liz's reaction is the typical parent like overreaction where um, you're doing this to spite me. You're doing yeah. this to piss me off. You're doing this to punish me somehow. The idea that like her teenage daughter might actually have loves and passions and interests that maybe she is not doing this in an adult, mature manner, but they are real to her, and they're Mm -hmm. not just childish attempts to act out. Man, that's a a tricky one. Liz has fallen right into it.
1: And she is, but she... But there's something deeper in her that knows that she's doing things all wrong and she's intentionally misunderstanding her. Right. It it comes back to when uh, Evangeline was telling her, look, there she's not crazy. There's something wrong with the water. It's killing people. Yeah. And she's like, I know, I know. And and that's her acknowledging like, I, I get it, but I, I don't know how to react to it. Mm hmm.
0: Well, it's like the, I think that that's, that that's a distressing thing about parents, right? You know, I just uh, recently watched the Pacific, um, the, uh, was it, uh, the, the HBO show, the companion to Band of Brothers, I think it's called the Pacific. And there's this fight about, you know, this father just as he's a doctor and he's gotten his medical waiver for his son. So he doesn't have to go to, you know, get, get drafted.
1: Mm-hmm. And this
0: guy, as soon as he turns 18, he signs up to join the marines he's going to get thrown in a meat grinder and the father is just beside himself like why the fuck would you do this yeah and the kid's like cuz i believe in this cause and i want to do this and i want to do that and the father's like ultimately respect but also you're doing something that could get you killed you're throwing away your one fucking life on and um that's that's I, I haven't had that experience yet as a parent where it's like you're doing a thing that yeah is righteous but also it's dangerous and get you killed yeah, but sometimes people have to die to get justice done. Like that has been a sad, tragic fact in human history.
1: <laughs> and, and at least when he's intersection,
0: not...
1: yeah, uh, at least he's not Johnny Rico from Starship Troopers, just chasing right. a girl into the meat grinder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's doing but it seemingly uh... for the right reason. It's funny now that I
0: have a teenager of this age where they're they're of protesting age, they're of joining the military age they're of you know going on some f- damn fool idealistic crusade age mm-hmm. This hits a lot different than it did ten years ago, oh, you I know bet. even yeah. to, especially 20 years ago there's there's layers of this 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 uh, parenthood thing and uh, Liz is just whew, she is just uh, blowing through all those barriers and uh, the scene where yeah. she like <laughs> essentially kicks in the door and demands a talk to her naked vulnerable daughter. Mm -hmm. i think is you know emblematic of that and her daughter saying something i'm sure infuriated liz but as ultimate truth like i haven't given up on you like that's the thing that the Mm -hmm. parent's supposed to say to the troubled youth
1: right right and and this is the reason why i say there is this this undercurrent within her that knows that she's fucking up with leah it's not just leah's acting out and trying to piss me off it's i'm not parenting correctly And she's grateful, I think, when, you know, as as offensive as it must be for a parent to hear the thing you're supposed to be telling your kids, I'm not giving up on you yet. She then goes to the coffins and she looks at them and it it it, this is a pattern with Liz, right? She gets a reminder that she's doing something poorly and she tries to compensate and make a corrective uh, corrective action. It just doesn't go how it ever is supposed to go or how you want it to go for her doesn't stick i guess i thought there's a nice
0: moment here too like um it's all subtle and i I think uh, lopez is doing such a good job of uh telling or showing not telling but um that scene where you hear the one the the begin the begin this scene where uh liz gets called from navarro that you know it's about her daughter Mm -hmm. and then you get the conversation where navarro's like at the payphone, being like are you fucking kidding me really okay and she goes back to the There's this thing where Navarro asks her, her, how's her head? Is it still bleeding? And she's like, no. And and she's like, well, that's a damn shame. Because I think Navarro is still trying to find a way to keep from taking her to jail. She's like, is your head still Mm bleeding? Okay, I'll take you to the hospital. Maybe I'll keep you overnight for observation. Your mom will cool down. We don't have to book you. All that kind of stuff. And then after the frustration with Liz giving up, and she does that whole... Fine. If you're going to give up, then I'm going to put all this any weight on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, she walks out and just like just just, just throws the jail cell open. Yep. Uh, th- th- is is Liz actually the chief of police in this town? Can can an <laughs> officer from another department waltz into her jail and, and free the prisoners
1: like this officer? Yeah, because there is a yeah. personal thing here, right? It's not this is not a legal matter at this point yeah it, but I, but yeah it does make her look a little foolish especially to the, the like receptionist or whatever who's watching as all this is happening right it still feels yeah a little jank
0: and it, it, that goes back to my complaint about the way they dealt with the mine protest you know and had like um, if they wanted Navarro to go across the thin blue line and go rogue why don't go ahead and suspend her so that this situation because like the end they essentially go rogue anyway They go rogue Mm -hmm. for righteous for reasons because, you know, they know that Connolly's dirty and he's going to shut down investigation. If they can blow this whole thing wide open, they can take down the whole thing. That still tracks with and and it tracks more cleanly if Navarro was just, you know, punching her way out of the system and like has lost her badge and essentially saying, fuck the rules, fuck all that. Let's just let like like Russ did. I'm going to go off Mm -hmm. book. The only way to take these guys down is outside the law cuz they own the law. They have used the law to protect themselves. I felt like such an obvious yeah. way to make that th- uh, that through point that it the second time really annoyed me that they went ahead ha- went ahead cuz I didn't even miss it on 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 first uh, on first watch I completely missed it. Liz said, "Oh yeah, the other cop got suspended mm-hmm. for punching my d- but uh, nah, now that okay, now I'm Liz is the chief of police. Does she have the power to get an officer suspended for punching her daughter?
1: Uh, uh, i don't i don't borderline I, just, I just on
0: it yeah that that, that doesn't feel like american policing because that's the whole thing oh, about american be. policing is like right. you you know yeah. you didn't see like black officers punching out their white counterparts for like brutalizing protesters over the george floyd situation you know the black lives, mm-hmm. lives matter protest like that just does because that sh- that 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 blood is thicker than water you know right um that culture that kind of like yeah so i thought that I, that that struck me as false but mm-hmm.
1: yeah well um, i mean we gotta remember we're dealing with some bad cops as well i mean none of these people are good cops evangeline's instant response to the end of this episode when she walks in on this horrific scene is yeah let's cover up another murder let's do it yeah <laughs> i mean not a good cop not True. by the book um, the other thing that bothered me is Leah
0: says she's in the bathtub and Liz is equivocating and trying to kind of like get out, you know, trying to to not deal with the righteousness of her daughter's cause. And her daughter says, do you know how many children have been still born in the last three months? And I was preparing to hear like two or three or four when she said nine i i mean she might as well said 500 how the hell have there been three babies conceived in this town of like 250 people in the last and each each month in the last three months let alone died like that just seemed like a
1: crazy number and it it took me out of a little bit i don't have a great feeling on how big this town is i will say that and sometimes it's because it's not it's not portrayed very well did did they give a number
0: I thought they literally had a, like, assigned population, like, 273 or something oh, at the they very might. beginning of this series. And I'm,
1: like... Yeah. It might be in the intro, um, but I skipped
0: now the No, that's, intro. like, there's a difference in the town, there's a difference between the mining complex that has its own dormitories, and there's a difference between the villages sure. that, you mm-hmm. know, we've seen. But it still struck me as a shit ton of babies dying in a three-month period. Of yeah. I, I'm just babies, I period. I to. Like, Like nine births in a village in three months, in the the villages Mm -hmm. in three months, in this place would be like seem like a bumper crop. But I again, maybe I'm maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm I'm, I I admit to being ignorant about how many people are being born in rural Alaska on a monthly basis. I mean, if you
1: if you look at how uh, promiscuous everyone is up there, (laughs) apparently, like everybody's fucking everybody constantly. You would expect to have an abnormal number of babies. Is it just Liz? No, I think it's everyone.
0: She's I mean, out of eggs, so she's she's not doing anything to the... Sure. To the birth rate.
1: Watch out for the polar bear. We'll be right back. Time to continue our investigation. Back to the world we deserve. Yeah. Uh, but anyway... She
0: hits her with, Liz, I haven't given up on you, and that really stings Liz, so she goes to visit a shed in the cemetery, because they're just piling up the bodies, because the ground's too hard to to bury, and -hmm. the groundskeeper hits her with, like, you know, at least they can keep themselves company, especially the little ones, and Liz seemed especially moved by the tiny, tiny coffin of the little stillborn child.
1: Yeah, where it says, born on 1223, died on 1223. I mean, that's fucked up. It's really fucked up and especially yeah. when there are nine of them right next to each other mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so
0: this leads us to a conversation about the mystery let's talk let's talk about the
1: mystery jim uh, the mystery is becoming less mysterious which i guess you should expect five episodes in but it really feels to me like this is just poisoned water it's bad yeah. water how does it go back 30 years
0: so let's let's start with that. Liz visits so Otis. He's at well, I'm not saying the Tuttles. Let's let's oh, let's, okay. let's stay with the Otises. Uh sure. he's in the lighthouse recovering from uh his rave that's the other thing. It's like his ravings of a madman actually are just a dude high on heroin, it turns out. Makes sense. Um Danvers uh he he's uh th- th- he's he's says that uh has this conversation about Clark and that he would rave about her being awake. Um, when I thought it's interesting, they showed Liz having a flashback to her son's hand warning Mm
1: -hmm. about that, yeah, you know, because he somehow said she's awake, right? Or she heard she's awake when that happens. Somehow she's getting some psychosphere
0: echoes from the ghost system. I mean, she's drinking the water, right? It's true, they say it's not as bad in the town, and maybe that's why she's only a little ghosty, and Mm -hmm. Navarro is full ghosty. But, uh, does Navarro live out in the, tri- the, the tribal villages? Did I, just I just crashed like her house with was remote,
1: but I don't, have know. we seen her house? Once, yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. It, you're right. With the cans.
0: Yeah. She doesn't live in town. She might get the Blackwater. Right. Um, so, uh, he says he doesn't want much about Clark. Big question is, do we believe him? And now he's dead, It, 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 it probably, and we're not going to get the answer to that, but
1: like, I wondered if he is trying to hide something a little bit. I didn't get that vibe, okay. but I would certainly entertain the idea.
0: Uh, so she asked him about 30 years ago what happened, and he said there was a cave-in, the men got trapped in the ice, there was a blizzard, which I think is interesting. The last time something like this happened was during a blizzard, and it seems like we've got a full-blown blizzard... Mm-hmm. Makes me wonder when Annie Kay disappeared if there was a blizzard, if there's something to that. Uh in in the midst of the storm the men could hear something screaming and howling and weeping, and other men started to follow the sound, and he tried to go after them and then he said nothing. He woke up in a hospital, his eyes were burnt, his ears were shit.
1: And uh that's <laughs> yeah, that's says, all that's all he knows. She says, How did you survive your injuries? He says, Fuck man, did it look like I did? <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> look at me. He's got big cricket energy. Oh, yeah. cricket
0: energy from uh Always Sunny in this mm-hmm. episode. Um What do you do you, what do you do you, do you kind of get did you get my blizzard
1: connection? The fact that there was a uh, blizzard yeah, there, there's one a brewing right now, a category four yeah, in the current day, um, yeah. I don't know what that would really have to do with the actual, you know, circumstances of it. I mean, freezing is to death faster that... is possible in a blizzard for sure.
0: Is it possible that the mining company just has like a standard operating procedure that they do their dirty skulking about during blizzards? Like that's when they cave in mine feet mm. mines. That's when they move bodies of protesters. That's when they. I don't know what Otis was up there up to at the time, but like under the cover of
1: white. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The fact that it is like, you know, like Navarro said, the tracks will all be covered. Don't have to worry about people following you. I wonder if there Mm -hmm. is like this is a Scooby Doo type explanation. It's like it's nothing meteorological. It's just that this. Yeah. They use the cover to bad things happen when there's blizzards because the mines do bad things during the blizzards. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, it would it would be smart, I assume. Yeah hard but smart so she gets the maps and and uh she wants to go investigate him but heist says you can't do it this the 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 ice is like uh thin glass in places you'll never survive and uh she says well you're days away from helping uh to, from getting well and he asked her to get him heroin and she says no and he literally gives her the cold shoulder mm-hmm. just shuts down visiting hours are over Um, there's another, uh, another, uh, a piece of the mystery is, you know, Navarra's doing her laundry. She sees the hair. Cavett comes rolling up on her and says, I found the guy who recognizes the stone spiral you left at my apartment. And he says it's a a warning that native hunters leave to give other hunters sign that there is thin ice ahead.
1: Yeah it's a danger uh, a warning of danger ahead um and i do wonder how that ties back to spirals in season one for instance um or season three when it's mentioned but like yeah is having watched it recently do you have any insight into when the spirals happen are they right before you know some big bad events for the characters so yes and no because I
0: my recent rewatch combined with a feedback which unfortunately I had to cut for time but I'll surmise what the person was saying that like there's two types of spirals in symbolism one that has a certain there's like an upward spiral that rotates in a certain direction and then a downward spiral that rotates the other direction and Mm -hmm. in season one we saw the upward spirals which you think like well that's a weird thing because it's all these evil things happening but if you listen to what the insane you know a uh, childress guy was saying at the end he was trying to do these rituals to ascend to godhood so the spiral mm-hmm. is not for the girls the spiral mm-hmm. is this is a sacrifice to ascend him to the higher astral plane the, you can see the infernal planes and such um and that a lot of times the downward spirals are more of a warning and i'm wondering because th- th- that like in the first season, it was about these powerful men doing bad things to women, to get and, and children, and to vulnerable people to get this uh, spiritual edge, you know, to 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 gratify themselves and to gain power. I couldn't help but notice that the re- three fingered redhead conspicuously shoves her way past Kavik during this scene. I'm oh, wondering if she. I missed that entirely, and Both times. yes, wow. and mugs for the camera, and I'm wondering if they're you're going to find out that these spirals are left not by bad people doing bad things but by good people trying to work against the mine. Mm-hmm. that all the spiral symbolism is them is essentially a warning that they're on thin ice and it's a network of people including otis including uh Co- what, what was the name quohog i forget i've already forgotten Tugac. the yeah Tugac, thank you uh annie uh all these people maybe even going back to uh julie and mm. evie's mom okay now my question in practicality is how the fuck did these serve how did these flat ass stones presumably left on ice warn anybody for anything
1: yeah a it feels like they're gonna get covered up pretty quickly by snow Jeez, B, right? they blend in pretty effectively with snow yeah. even if they're not covered maybe, maybe we need some poles Maybe
0: some some, some yeah. rocks on poles or something. I don't I don't know if this particular symbolism <laughs> and warning was was well thought out, but but whatever.
1: But yeah, um, and, yeah. I mean, technically and- leaving that before he, you know, Vamusa's is him trying to tell them something, right? Because it connects him to the ice, and he may sure. know about the caves and.
0: Or might be a message for anyone else to follow, it, you know, the, of the network to follow, where he went, that kind of thing. And I also thought yeah. it was interesting that right as the redhead is walking past, that's when the guy starts talking about the grandma, talking about night country, and if they fell into hmm. the cave they'd fall in the night. So that's why I speculated last episode, the night country literally is the, the cave complex. Yeah, it seems so. Uh, so Navarro has examined the maps and she comes into Liz's office with head full of steam, thinking that like, uh, I know how we can get into the caves. There's a previous scene. They just, they would, they established that the mining company has destroyed the entrance to the cave, which we'll be talking about here in the conspiracy. She's like, I know how we can, we can uh, get around that. We find the highest point inside the cave map. See where that corresponds to the outside world. And we can essentially break the ice to get in, get into the, to, to the tunnel. And Liz, the source says, you know, we can't do that because the investigation is being, um, Canceled and all that, but um, that's probably what they're going to do. The only question is now is like the it's so much more dangerous because they don't have a guide, yeah, totally. This, um, this is Russ and Marty going into Carcosa without backup, which also drove me nuts uh-huh. when I watched this. I remember that driving me nuts in the first season, but like, yeah, they 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 go
1: they, they're going in there without any backup here, it's out of necessity. I mean, yeah, you know, they're not getting any backup and the guide is dead so if we want answers we've got to do this alone yeah um so then the
0: liz grabs otis and bribes him with some heroin that she gets from an evidence locker to help her find entrance to and navigate the caves which will bring us neatly to the conspiracy it's the next next point okay. of the episode we'll be discussing all right jim let's talk about the conspiracy um there's a couple of things that um i didn't know where to put Elsin, so they're kind of like um the little first few snowflakes to fall in an avalanche the first thing that leads to pete killing his father is his wife throwing her out of the house
1: Mm -hmm. is she in on it
0: is that what you're suggesting no i'm just saying it's like it's funny how these little butterfly flaps lead to it and uh i was on kayla's side uh at some point you know, Pete said some really hurtful shit in the last epi- episode and is completely unwilling to take responsibility for essentially starting to alienate and abandon his family mm-hmm. and Kayla is not going to be uh, you know Marty's wife in season one she's not going to put up with this for 11 12 years and then divorce when he inevitably starts having an affair with Liz she's like
1: fuck this get out mm-hmm. yeah I feel bad for Pete because I do think he's misunderstood but he's not articulating his feelings very well <laughs> Like, I, I think a lot of this is a reaction to, you know, the the stupid idiot faced dumbass that I love, you know, that that stuff yeah. it's like Pete doesn't want to be that. And he's trying not to be it, but you're not seeing it for that.
0: And also, the older I get, the more I realize I've even though I've tried very hard not to repeat the patterns of my parents that I have just mm-hmm. for sheer repetition and force of habit and example have fallen into those. Oh, I think yeah. it's interesting that, like, um, there's this great framing device we talked about. It. It's like during the mine riot, it's kicked off by Hank singing this just like blow your head off depressing song about how there's no love, never mm-hmm. been genuine love, either lost or found. There's no God, there's no hope. I <laughs> yeah, am you're what, what bound it, what, to lose. What's the use? Yeah. I'm bound to lose. What's a and and Pete. Uh, with his backpack or his duffel bag heading over to move in his old man hears this and kind of like listens it's just like you know he's never heard his dad play guitar yes he hears this this, um and then when he calls his dad his dad says oh i was out working on the truck Mm -hmm. cannot open up even a sliver of emotional availability to his son
1: and then pete lets him have that which I think is interesting, right? Because he's he's outside his house. He's listening to him mm-hmm. play guitar. He's called him on the phone and yeah. he says, oh yeah, I'm about five minutes away. And he's sitting on his front porch. He doesn't want to yeah. knock. He doesn't want to let him know that maybe his son did hear him, you know? It's, yeah, it's a really, I mean, it's not a healthy dynamic, but it's an interesting one.
0: Well, especially since there's another waypoint in the fucked up parent trail where, when Pete calls and tells his dad, Oh my god, my wife's kicked me out, Hank's a little happy, <laughs> right? Because, like, there, this is something
1: Liz's lifestyle manifesting negative results for his kid, and not he's only that, kid but we'll see that it's something that he
0: can relate to with his kid. And that too, yeah. Like like there's something like oh you are taking... there's some kind of perverse pride about and i've seen i've seen this with real parents and children like you know when the you know somebody when their kid drops out of high school or flunks out of college like you know there's this kind of like kind of smile like ah oh, you're 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 a chip off the old block
1: and i think it's kind of fucked, you know. <laughs> I'm I'm going to go back to starship troopers again. That's the exact reaction that Rico's dad has. When he says, uh, yeah, it's just when he's about to wash out, yeah. he calls parents, says, I'm coming home. His dad's like, oh, yeah, come on home, kid. You know, he's mm-hmm. trying to put on his sad face, but he's smiling. You can see Yeah,
0: it. the idea that. Yeah. The idea that your child has experienced a failure and is hurting over it. And you're like, oh, man, I, I know exactly how to parent this because I know exact all about getting being or I out told you so, too, and, right? Like There's I told too, you yeah.
1: that this was going to work out bad for you living like yeah. Liz come back to me now because i told yeah. you so yeah
0: it's gross so meanwhile <laughs> we start with the actual conspiracy is going to lead to a tragedy where dr who calls liz and and says you need to come down here to the mines right away because uh there's this big thing that we got to talk about and uh she sees that there's some kind of trap because why the hell is Connolly there you know hmm
1: but uh, at but this, she's eager uh, Pete, to go because she just got this evidence from Pete that the mine is connected to the people who are uh, saying how much pollution is in the ground and they're paying them. Yeah. She wants to go and over there goes, and really bust Kate's balls. And all goes up that the, the Tuttle United,
0: they get that name checked again. But like, yeah, that the, the, the yep. mine has been dealing dirty of this community. And she goes in with a head of steam because there's something she wants to discuss. So she drives out there. She breezes into Kate's office. That's this mining facility also seems way too swanky for what it is. Like th- this should be like a broken down trailer. Uh <laughs> but instead it's this marble office with these glass things and all that's like there's there's yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they got sil- money. Sil- yeah, but they don't like to waste it. They don't like to waste it in giving their employees a pretty place to work. It's a mining conglomerate. This, uh, you just yeah, I beg you, go, yeah. go. Your town's got to have within an hour drive some kind of stone aggregate company or mm-hmm. refining facility or strip. Go, go, go. Visit the main offices and then see and see.
1: Yeah, just see. It's effectively a construction site.
0: I'm sure their corporate offices in Houston, yes. Texas, or or Manhattan or Burbank, California, are very nice. Mm-hmm. but the the yeah no not not the place that actually at the mine
1: kate's um, got to have somewhere to park her two teslas true 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 so. um so she breezes into kate's office
0: and she brushes off all the criticism about the protest and how it's hands like hey those are alaska state troopers weren't me uh blah 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 and then they hit uh they they hit her with this evidence of her and navarro going to look at the mine uh, the the cave on mine property I thought it's interesting too the symbolism of Connolly sitting on the other side of the table from Liz with the mining
1: representatives. Mm-hmm. They're really coding this as shady. Um, yeah, and I am wondering how shady. Um, when we're talking about conspiracy, is Connolly a hundred percent in on this? Is he actually getting paid off here, or is he just going by what Anchorage told him? And their forensics department over there is getting paid off so I think it's
0: interesting how is it Kate is she the president of the mining company the owner yeah mm-hmm. I thought it's interesting how she described Connolly to Hank which is he's a political animal right and I, I thought that that reminded me a lot of characters like some of the middle characters in like true detective like I there's a several people who were not like part of the conspiracy but were like getting their bread buttered by the conspiracy or you know, are are not going to look too strongly at it because it's going to. But if they had the evidence, you know, mm-hmm. if they had all the evidence laid out, they would
1: probably take action, right? And if it favored them as well to do so, which y- yeah. it would. I mean, making a huge bust like that uh, could, you know, make Captain Connolly yeah. into I don't know President Connolly. Who knows? Yeah,
0: that's why. And that's why Rust and that's why what Rust and Marty kind of quote unquote won in season one is because they were able to find the evidence and they're able to make that connection. They're able to like, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but that's what I I, I think that Connolly is not he's yeah, he's just a political animal. He wants to advance, he wants to get money, he wants to retire, and bucking the mine for you know, especially if the mine has bought off the corner, apparently. Cause like mm-hmm. this slab avalanche theory
1: is It's bullshit on the face of it. Bullshit.
0: Like okay, yeah. I can buy. Like it's one of those things where it's like if you are just reading headlines or you just you're following this news case on Twitter, it's like maybe and you don't think about it. And it's like okay, yeah, research scientists. It's the last sunset su- sunset of the of course. Reminds me of. I want to see the, that. Yeah, it's like the opening of like what is it season three of for all mankind where like you know because on the moon base that they'd have two weeks of yeah. no, you know and they'd all go and watch the sunrise together I could see mm-hmm. that I can't see them getting fucking naked and uh-huh. stacking their
1: clothes up the clothes do- are the smoking gun here that that's not what happened yeah so it's like I, although I is, do love to watch a sunset naked I don't like Alaska, to do it at 30 below in, yeah <laughs> in negative in yeah. 30 weather during I, I, a blizzard uh-huh. I was about
0: to say these guys are weird enough that I would buy them doing naked drum circles, but you know, not not when it's not when your your nutsack will literally turn black in 30 seconds. You know. <laughs> also, that's...
1: I have not seen too many mountains. Where did the avalanche come from? Like, I know there can be mountains. I know there can be tall glaciers. Oh, there's I know huge like mountains in Alaska. Sure, absolutely, but we haven't seen
0: any of that in the landscape. It's yeah. all flat from what we've it's seen. Flat. Yeah, the mountains are very distant in the background.
1: Is there evidence of an avalanche nearby? I mean, shouldn't there be some sort of residual caused by hundreds of thousands of tons of snow and ice and rock coming down a fucking mountain or off off the side of a
0: glacier? Like... What what the what I got from this is this is an obvious lie that no one familiar with the case is going to buy. But like yes. no, the scientists were all they they're all recluses. They all didn't have friends and family that cared for them. They might have been handpicked for that reason. Uh huh. Um, that seems like it's a to, way too big a conspiracy to handpick research
1: scientists that you could kill at any moment if it needed you needed to. Uh-huh. But um, you know. But no, th- uh, you're right. This is an obvious lie. It, it's 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 yeah. one that like on the surface of it is like okay, I guess we buy that. But if you dig, if you even scratch that surface, you know it's not true. Yeah, and it's not its not
0: meant to convince anyone. It's meant nope. to just put people to sleep and get on to business as usual. And you can see that, like, you know, she um, she drops the Otis Heist name drop and, you know, the mining company lady just is resolute in that, um, you know, these are all consistent injuries of flash freeze and uh she hits him with the financial connection and that like took the mind lady back but she's like i don't yeah. see how this has anything to do with a weather event and liz is like fuck your weather event then you know what your husband sucks a bed and
1: <laughs> yeah this is so poorly played by liz like she she shouldn't have answered any of these questions her first statement is the right statement it's police business hmm that's it period yeah. I'm not talking to you about it for a second more. Do you want to take over an investigation, Ted? Say
0: so. Otherwise, I'm going to uh-huh. conduct this investigation in the way I see fit.
1: Yeah, and I'm certainly not. I'm not going to try and blow up your spot here, where there's nobody to call you out. I mean, if she if she thinks that Connolly in this situation is going to go, oh, well, there's some circumstantial evidence connected to this uh, Norfolk company, uh yeah i guess we have to arrest her she's insane yeah and i'm gonna give some
0: credit to lopez um who i think some of this is like liz oh, yeah. knows she's going into the lion's den and she's trying to see she's trying to see how deep the rot maybe she's even trying to like determine whether ted's in on it
1: yeah she might know? she could definitely be fishing for information here g- g- exactly how they react
0: the exact same way Rust was doing in season one of True Detective when he's talking to the the investigators working a 2015 case. He was only right. there to find out what they knew, yep, and only letting them know things. And he drink, was comfortable. drink, a lot of beer
1: too, and right. and take him a lot for of a ride on, yeah. <laughs> on 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 Marlboro Reds and and Lone Stars. Yeah, uh uh-huh. No, I, I think you're right. It's she's fishing here.
0: Uh, and the thing is, like, what what finally you know I think makes the scene work is the fact that Connolly has discovered something that I think a lot of people suspected but they couldn't prove and that's Liz and Navarro killed the Wheeler guy oh yeah
1: yeah mm-hmm. so he
0: backs her to fuck off with that because that's obviously gonna that's that's gonna kill yeah career probably land her in jail too mm-hmm. Um, so he tells her to go home shit's over uh, Kate meanwhile uh, meets with Hank in her SUV kind of butters him up a little bit and then hits him with a like ah Man, that Danvers just isn't gonna let this go. Oh,
1: um, uh, did, did this be? Did, who will rid rid me of this troublesome police chief? Yeah, and he says I'm not a killer. She says I, I, I didn't say anything about that. I didn't use those words. As a matter of fact, I won't even say those words right now to say that I didn't say those words. This is mobster shit,
0: right? This is like—I mean, that's what I'm saying. The, 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 uh, I, I was going yeah. to say, going to report what happened to your
1: beautiful uh, conspiracy, you know.
0: I was going to ask: Do rich people think they can get away with this? And like, no, clearly they do. That's it's uh, we've we've gotten the returns on that. There are certain rich folk that think that they can they can get away with this kind type of stuff. And yeah. as long as they, as long as they, it's it's like people on the drug forum being like, a friend of mine mm-hmm. wants mm-hmm. to know. Yeah, asking for you a know? friend. Uh-huh. I, I I heard a friend said that they were considering taking fifty. Like it, it's like what what is this shit? It's it's like uh, you can't uh, if you ask a cop if they're a cop, they can't lie. Logic, but mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> thank God people are dumb, or we'd never ever be able to to take them down a peg. They'd just be too smart and too airtight. Mm-hmm. But um, Hank is also pissed because we find out in this scene that he did. He didn't kill Annie K, but he did help them hide the murder and cover and, and cover up. And he was promised the police chief and a tidy sum of money. And he only got half of that. And it's all mm-hmm. gone.
1: She yeah, said it also the, the fake Russian bride, I guess. I wonder if he, he says, I still did. had a little, I have a little bit of money left when he's on the phone with her with, with her. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's how he's been like, what's he's been doing for the last six years. He's been getting catfished mm-hmm. by some Russian mobster. He's been getting catfished by Vigo Mortensen in Eastern Promises. <laughs> uh-huh. So, um, but she's like, oh, you know, drug addicts get lost. And uh, I think she thinks that he can just disappear to him and they won't have to go all the way up to Danvers. I don't know. Um, and yeah. Hank is just gone, man, in this scene. Like, he is just, like, whatever vestiges of the man he once was are checked out. And I thought this next scene that, about the family stuff Mm-hmm. where you can see like Hank back when Pete was young and maybe the mom hadn't left and his life hadn't hit a skid that his son fell through the ice and he heroically saved them and he's on this cusp of making like a genuine emotional connection and just as it's getting to that point he's like
1: family stuff, right? Fucking family. It struck me as he he's talking like a man who's done living in that scene. Like he this this is this is it you know he's laying everything out thinking about how his life went and why it went that way and he's just having one last moment with his son and then he's going to go do what he's got to do and the consequences are going to happen and
0: that's i think it. it's also it's
1: over. a last ditch effort to
0: convince himself like the the Pete kind of owes him because I saved your life and I would that, that I was a good dad I did the number one job of dad and also you should back me mm-hmm. you know like I I feel guilty because I broke into my son's computer and violated his confidence but I did save his life and also he kind of owes me and I think that's mm-hmm. a last ditch effort for him to get Pete on his side for because you got to think that even if this has gone off without a hitch Pete has to look like, like let's say he, he Otis just dies disappears and the investigation stymied you got to think that Pete will forever wonder what the hell you know and this is kind of a way for him to try to make that he did, but he just can't go all the way he can't say I was like I was so scared yeah. to death because I love you so much son and that's I've always wanted to just never wanted anything for you to be safe and happy but he can't get he can't get there he's too emotionally concentrated
1: yeah. I mean you're right <laughs> totally I don't know. It, it could uh, be either one.
0: So Hank's stalking her throughout the rest of the episode. Uh, Pete, uh, Liz. Then he see she sees what he's trying to do, and he calls Pete, and she calls Pete in his office. And there's this very intense scene where she plays an aggressive game of ask the right questions until he. It's. I thought this is a nice, brilliant twist too. Um, the fact that uh, Wheeler was left-handed. Mm-hmm. And that they had flipped meticulously. Liz had gone through and flipped all the investigation files, all the digital files that be mirrored. So it looked like all the blows came from a right hand to mm-hmm. match the right handed gunshot, which a left handed person would put the gun to the left side of their temple. And they did yeah. everything meticulously except for Pete kept asking the right question until he got to his girl's high school yearbook. And her birthmark was on the wrong side of her fucking face.
1: Mm hmm. Uh, I love the line that this scene starts with where she says how many times have I told you your father only seems like an idiot yeah yeah, that's what we were picking up on all season Mm -hmm. he only seems Mm -hmm. like an idiot (laughs) and all those people
0: in episode one were like Hank's up to shit I guess Mm -hmm. you can feel smug totally because you were right even though I don't think you had all the information to be right at that time I can't say (laughs) that you were wrong so there you go true (laughs) Um, and I also love how at the end she's like, you know you finally started to learn to ask the right questions now you got to learn when to stop mm-hmm. although yeah, she, she can't will, answer that
1: question right
0: She's never gonna say yes, that's what we did. Yeah, yeah because what what do you want? do you want the, yeah and then do you yeah uh,
1: it's, it's a great but, scene but but it's also this it's interesting how this turns from because I guess this is when Evangeline, Busts in and tells her the Sandy stuff is on you, right? She comes in after this or It's around there. No, too, that was earlier. Yeah. was that earlier? I when think she goes it was. To the coffins.
0: Yeah. This is she's 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 already stolen the drugs at this point. So I think, yeah, that and her daughters happened. This is before okay.
1: she goes to get heist, though. So she's saying this to him, like you gotta learn when to stop asking questions, and yet her oh. next move sure. is gonna be to ask some questions of otis like okay take me to the place right we're gonna go ask more questions about this yep to kind of do as i say not as i do business Um, yeah i think she's
0: trying to keep him safe um so liz uh so 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 she offers him his shed because she says you can't stay with hank because he's now an active agent against the investigation she's he's part of the conspiracy he's the one that told Connolly. Connolly's in on it um and then pete tries to or hank tries to go in there and and make peace with pete and pete's just not having it which really sets hank back um i did think like when pete checks in this shed does this thing have heat i was it wondering have a he, he just sits on this old decrepit lawn chair which also i wanted to tell you uh, here's a fun fact about these plastic lawn chairs He sits in these things at negative 50. It's going to shatter like an (laughs)
1: eggshell. Yeah, they're pretty brittle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You try Mm -hmm. sitting in one of those chairs when it's negative 40 out. It's not going to happen, man. Must be a heated shed. Because why would she
1: offer him an unheated (sighs) shed to sleep in? He'll die.
0: But there's not even a cot out there. Is he just going to sleep on the floor? Like, what is the long term plan? You know, I, I this is this is another stuff conversation.
1: Cause Cause I, he's I got nowhere I got, where else to go is the real problem, right? And he doesn't want to get divorced, so he doesn't want to stay with Liz, but yeah. Mm, mm, but what does Liz want? We'll talk about that later. Oh, uh,
0: So Hank visits Liz. He has been following her all episode at the behest of the mining lady, and uh, he's like, oh, he, she reveals that heist is here because she doesn't quite see the danger. And Hank's like, don't mind if I do. I'm taking him on a warrant. She's like, why isn't talking, telling this to myself? Uh, and Hank decides he is smarter than he pretends to be, but he is not smart enough, and he doesn't realize it. He's going to try to do a Liz and, and Evie special. He's going to try to stage this up and make it look like uh, a murder. Um, you know, the Otis was, you know, this, this is what it is. I was here to serve a warrant, and Otis got agitated, he killed uh, this brief struggle over weapon. He killed Danvers. I killed Otis. Done, done. But uh, he kills Otis. Did not know that Pete was in the backyard. Pete comes rolling in with his sidearm drawn. And uh, did you catch? Did you did you catch? Because I think uh, I, I think uh, Lopez had a clear indication in her mind. Was Hank about to kill Liz?
1: mm-hmm
0: yeah when he raised I mean, his gun his hand his finger was off the trigger like in in the like trigger discipline position
1: when like after when was, the whole like at the very very end of this when he gets shot right as head. he
0: right when he says "Blood," you know
1: okay. uh yeah there he, he i could see adds, maybe no um he this was literally just death by cop patchside by cop as he li- said
0: it literally was it was him forcing his son to kill, and and Issa said this on the podcast that she intended this to be like a "fuck you" from Hank to Pete. You know, like I, I want, I want wow. to put this on you because you've turned your back on me. Yeah, I, I don't mean, I know that it. I, I don't know that I agree with her. I think it's a much more mm. sad and pathetic thing. It's more of like he is not man enough to the to, to, to put the gun in his own mouth and squeeze the trigger. Um, mm-hmm. He's not man enough to actually try to murder Liz. And so he just takes the coward's way out, which it seems like he's been doing for 10, 15 years now.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I love how this whole scene plays out. I think it's excellently constructed um, and excellently acted. I think like the, the, just Liz, all this stuff that Liz has been doing with Pete over the course of this season is is pouring into this scene, making it better. Like her just saying, think about it. Don't, don't do this. Think about it. Don't go with him. Think about what's happening here. And we know that Pete is a very smart detective. And if he just clears his head for a second and, and assesses the situation, he's going to come to the right conclusion. He's going to know his father is in on this conspiracy. He murdered Otis. This is not official business. Things are very wrong here. And if you go with him, you might end up just like otis yeah um and i really like
0: that moment where like pete does the math and it comes out wrong and he he put yeah he he (laughs) gets his resolve look on his face and puts the gun up and he's ray kills dad and he does
1: yeah it's so tense i mean this whole scene the the tension there until the final moment where he shouts no and blows his father's head off it's it's And it's devastating. It's crushing. And just the way I love the final shot of it where he's just sitting on the floor, huddled up, knees to his chest. And Liz is there cradling him. It's like it's heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, it's so brutal what you what he had to do in that scene. But I think he makes the
0: right call too. it's he does. But it's one of those things where you're going to you know, he's going to see that for the rest of his life yep you know he talks about I think this is intentional they talks about his dad that he still dreams about this it reminds me of my 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 father so my father and me and my brother used to ride motorcycles together until one day me and my dad and my brother were riding and my brother Evan was the my dad is in the middle my brother's in the back he fucking stopped riding his motorcycle and it slid off a curve and my dad happened to be looking back in his rear mirror over his shoulder because he's always kind of keep an eye on my baby brother, and he saw that, and he my dad stopped riding that summer, and I asked him about it, and he's like, "I just every time I go on a ride i, I get these flashes where mm-hmm. I see your brother slide off in my rear my side of your mirror, and it's like, yeah, clearly all I like, haunt him, and then nothing he didn't even die, but right. his dad's saying like "I dream about the time I almost lost you." Has to be juxtaposed with his son mm-hmm. murdering him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. At, at almost the same age, like you're also understanding, uh-huh. that, like Pete is the same age that he that his dad was when he axed him out of the ice, and now he had to kill his father. Like it's like the more I think yeah. about, it, the more I'm just like, holy shit, this is so bleak.
1: Oh yeah, and I mean, it it doesn't just end at the father son here. It ends at you know, mommy Liz. It's like. Yeah, her her reaction, you know, to to this. I mean, it's something we've talked about all season with Leah, where and Holden, where her reaction to Holden's death is she wants to desperately protect Leah from harm, and here's a situation where she she needs Pete to do some serious emotional harm to himself in order for her to survive this situation, but she doesn't want it to happen because she knows it will just crush him, and her just the the devastation in her eyes on her face at the end of this i feel almost as bad for her as i do for pete well i got i got
0: i got a hot theory that's going to come together here in no, uh, no. the next conversation where the storm outside's really picking up navarro comes as liz is freaking out wanting to get Connolly involved and navarro metaphorically slaps her across the face and shakes her and says what the hell are you talking about he's going to you know i don't He's going to put it all on the kid. He's going Let's to shut down that in investigation. That's what we do. And she's and she's like, "This is too big to fix it." And he's like, "Nope, we're going to fix this shit." And uh, Pete volunteers to help. He's very got a weird. I mean, yeah, he's got he's got a weird affect throughout the rest of the scene. He's just shot his dad. I, mean, I think there's even more to it. Than I think that. you know he's 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 in shock. Do you? I, I do wonder though if Pete is somehow going to balance the scales of justice in his eyes by helping these women cover up this murder, but then somehow pinning the original Wheeler thing on Liz to punish her for putting him oh. in this position, and also to have a little bit of loyalty to his father. I kind of there's something about the way he looks when Navarro's like you clean this up good, and the way he looks back at that it makes me think that he might try to really clean it like clean the last 10 mm-hmm. years up
1: and 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 all right i like that theory that that yeah. feels right you know cuz he does seem like a good cop he seems like the kind that would <laughs> frown on covering up a murder
0: yeah that's bad so like liz
1: and his father did it liz
0: did it you know mm-hmm. it's and he's going to be the one that stops mm-hmm. it you know and uh and that's only yeah, like, like that. liz could save navarro but then liz goes to prison because of the yeah, it's kind of tidy. Uh-huh. I can see it. Yeah, but it's, especially my second watch, I was really looking at Pete's. Like, there's an intensity, and it could just be like I killed my dad. I'm committing to covering it up and getting sure. like it, there's lots, but I, I think there's something a little bit more, something a little bit more. I might be wrong though. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, so they drive off tonight over a save tonight cover by Eagle Eye or uh, Cherry. <laughs> Cherry,
1: yeah. I that's <laughs> this might be the first song that I don't. I can't truck with I like, liked it I like the... I know what the original sounds like and the original is all I can hear it's like <laughs> and it does not belong in this show I'll tell you that much
0: I like the eagle eye cherry on uh, he- heavily on the syrup version of save tonight all right. um, I, I, I have some last thoughts I thought we could get to in this final segment that I call sure. other stuff did you want to talk other stuff Jim yeah don't be afraid of the dark we'll be right back she's awake and we're back here's more of The World We Deserve Liz is trying to fuck Pete they're not at by no. the end of the episode but no. the, the the whole reaction she has to his wife's divorce and instantly offering to stay with him then there's there's something there there's something there there's something in would, the way would your mother not took... offer
1: you a place to stay if something went wrong in your life she's just mommy liz and not mommy in that way <laughs> i think she's mommy in that way oh
0: god no
1: no. I mean, I don't
0: know, and she's like assuming the divorce when it, I don't know. I I I thought I I thought there was something there. I know we've been debating
1: it, and uh, there's something inappropriate there. There's something Oedipus. Uh, I Oedipal. can't. I can't get. I can't truck with that man. I'm hoping that it's not true, but you could be right. Question, because this is a lot of people. A lot of the feedback was about this. Uh,
0: did Navarro look beat up enough to you, uh, and or should there have been more discussion about the ears
1: bleeding? A week later. That's that borderline. my reaction. Yeah, a week later is borderline. Like, I don't think she would look super beat up anymore. Especially, I mean, I, I don't know. I assume part of the reason she didn't look super beat up the next day is because she was probably wearing some form of makeup. Wait, what and, are we talking about the next day? Well, when she first got punched by the dudes, uh, she she went and attacked those dudes, right, and she got beat up. But then the next day she comes in and she's kind of like looking you know bruised but not yeah yeah okay because okay. i thought she definitely looked beat up it just looked like a woman who's put on some makeup and exactly and i assume a week later she's doing the same thing so the healing bruises are not looking as bad you know and by the end of the episode when like yeah, i assume that you know her foundation
0: has worn off and whatnot like there's definitely still dark circles could be tired but i also thought it looked like you know um like they kind of radiate out in a green fashion she's got this like mm. skin tone that really hides it well okay. um this kind of like 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 that 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 light shade of green it's very it's very easy to mistake it for a natural skin tone but i, I definitely thought i saw that she had been beat up and and yeah like i'm certain they've had a conversation about that whole event but it's a week ago they they, they flash forward a week and that's a thing yeah I do think that this season, especially this back half, has been a little loosey goosey in those kind of connections. But I can't, I, you know, I've applauded the times where she shows, not tells. Um, I, it's like it feels weird to drag her for this one when it's like, what do you want? What do you want her to say? It was weird when I found you catatonic with your ears bleeding and talking to ghosts again. Navarro's like, well, it's not even the first, second, third, or fourth time that's happened. And Liz's uh-huh. like, all oh, right, I guess that's that's I guess that's true. And then, you know, it's kinda like I thought it's weird that Evangeline never followed up with Rose about the spiral symbol. You know mm-hmm. so much about it. Can you tell me what it means? No child, can't <laughs> say anything about that. Yeah. Like there's there's a couple loose connections, but like I said in my spiel at front, the um the, the big things are getting right. And how confident are we about heading into the finale that this is all going to wrap up and be satisfying
1: uh actually more so now that they're connecting dots with the evidence um and and what i think is happening here i i think there is going to be like a real world physical explanation for it and I, i mean i guess i'm kind of curious like what annie found in the cave that they they would be storing in the cave that would break this case wide open, right? Because clearly she's looking for something to connect the mine to the pollution and the deaths of the babies and all that stuff. But what could, what evidence could there be? I know people talked about missing ice core samples earlier on in the season when we saw some. Uh, Yeah, What what are they doing in the cave that would matter to that? got some more feedback on what
0: it could be too but also the, I keep coming back to like what was with the roaring monster noises like I'm always like it's gotta yeah, be that too. I don't, that's, cannot be mining equipment
1: yeah Uh no I, I think we'll have some good explanations and whether you want to attribute it to the physical or the spiritual it's up to you I think it's a slab avalanche <laughs> <laughs> The
0: the ice tunnels funnel their unique geography funnels the slab right down and pulls wind, the clothes right bit. off you
1: too folds and, them and nice that, and
0: neat yep yep and and you know like uh when 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 the conditions are just right uh mm-hmm. the 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 sound of the snow moving through the pipes makes like a roaring polar bear sound and yep that's what Doctor Who said and uh, he knows everything mm-hmm. so. Okay. Uh we'll see. We got it I think I do and the, the thing is I feel strongly that it's going to be okay too because um you know I've seen some professional critics I respect their opinions who say that you know like I said in a preview that there will be open questions and there will be some still mystery at the edges but if you you know there is split like 50-50 about and and if if that's the case and I think it would join the season three leftovers finale and if that's a perfect way to if you can find a way to walk that tightrope where you could make a convincing case either way about it all being supernatural it's all being people having delusions
1: and playing along I would love for them to be there honestly Yeah, it seems like maybe if it turns out to be the case that it's water poisoning um, causing delusions with everyone here in town Maybe they gave a little bit too much of that away too early on like yeah harped on the bad water a little too much cuz it does feel like that's almost a foregone conclusion at this point to me but it can't be the and, and only And it's not answer. like people were picked up on it last episode they picked up on it episode 1 so yeah i think it's got to be bad water
0: plus it's got to be bad water I, plus I, yeah, something going on at Salal or something that like it's also um Yeah, like that this is a plot point on for all mankind this year. Like you had this like, you know, mining facility on Mars and the workers that kinda rebelled and then the strike that tried to, you know, undo their sabotage and then a bunch of people died not because anybody Mm -hmm. intended to, but because of, you know, greed and ignorance and whatnot. And I wonder if there's something like that. To this that the um, you know something that the protesters and the resistance was doing combined with the illegal things that the mine were doing and neither one knew what the other was doing and there was like some kind of like super tragic result some kind of dangerous mix
1: uh, yeah I think the power going out it kind of might tie into that with you know potential engineers sabotaging generators and things um, right yeah th- th- that question I think is still a big question mark yeah, and there's something about the, I I, don't,
0: I also think there's a tell about the blizzards. There's something significant about yeah. all these events. I we don't know about Annie. Maybe they have. Mm-hmm. I, I I didn't have time to watch the first 3 episodes, but maybe they mentioned that there was a cuz yeah, if they mentioned that there was a blizzard around that time too, that would kind of be yeah. A real strong sign that I'm onto something but I do feel like there is a lot to do in the last episode but I also felt that mm. way about the first season of True
1: Detective too so I heard it was going to be a longer one but I can't verify that anywhere yeah. I looked yeah. I didn't see a runtime on the finale but even if
0: you told me it's going to be 190 or not 190 Jesus a 90 minute yeah. episode it's still a lot it's still, it's still a lot, lot. Mm-hmm. yeah well anything else to talk about or should we get the feedback let's get the feedback uh, we'll talk about feedback here. It's the sent to True Detective at BaldMove.com. But first, uh, if you want to know about uh, what's going on at bald move after True Detective is over, uh, spoiler, it's going to be some Walking Dead mini series and some Shogun miniseries. But if you want to know what, what else we get up to in terms of the movies we're watching, the content we're doing, uh, highly recommend following us on social media at bald move. Pick one. Just pick one at bald move. And uh, finally, if you'd like to support us and you get extra uh, features like our fabulous instant talk and instant take episodes, we're going to have one high stakes one after this next episode, Sunday night. As soon as you get done watching, you can talk it over with me and Jim and the rest of Bald Move crew. Uh, But you got to be a supporter. Support.baldmove.com. Join the club. Get ad free feeds and and more. All right. True Detective at baldmove.com. Opened up the
1: Psychosphere mailbag. Took a big whiff. Jim, what are you smelling? Uh, I'm smelling Mike S.'s email. It's pretty pungent, but let's get into it. Uh, how did they make it through the entire fifth episode without addressing what happened with Evangeline? The blood coming out of her ears uh, at the end of episode four. Maybe it will be addressed in the, f- in the final episode, but that omission seemed kind of crazy. Uh, I- I'm going to go ahead and also read Haley's email here in lieu of... You know, rebutting it myself. See, uh, Haley says, just writing in response to the unhappy hordes regarding Navarro's ears at the end of episode four not being addressed this week. My brother-in-law's eardrum literally fell out of his ear over the summer. Exactly as disgusting as it sounds. Due to daily extreme elevation change. While very disturbing, it was treated with an urgent care visit and some medicated eardrops. No work missed. Which is is to say, while I think it is sloppy storytelling, it's also not unreasonable from a daily life perspective. Hope this little nugget helps us wage the masses.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I have some... We we talked about this in the other stuff section, but I also have some firsthand experience because when I was 15, I suffered a rough shirt eardrum from a severe ear infection. And blood came out my ears and everything. It was a wild, wild thing. And I got to say, looking back on it, I don't even think my hearing was more affected than just a severe ear infection because once I got all cleared up, like, a week later, it was, it was fine. It
1: was fine. So, so it's, my I recollection. it's not an especially grievous injury. Um, yeah. usually it heals, heals it fast, itself in very thin a matter of weeks. Yeah. So, like, it could be
0: um, – And, like, I, I don't buy that Liz and Evie didn't talk about it. It's just right. I don't think it's an interesting conversation. We've seen them Six talk days about it later. This, yeah, yeah, they shut down their own conversations about the supernatural stuff all the time, and I just think that's they—they they taught us how they have these conversations. You can imagine, but you know, I—I—I I, I guess some people just assumed from the grievous injuries and the cliffhanger nature that you're going to come back to that. But it's like there was a little bit of that in the yeah. beginning of the episode of me like, what the hell is going on with this cremation? What the hell, Why is heist
1: seem like he's so normal now? But like, yeah, no, I I get it. I think it's a little dissatisfying to jump ahead six days here because I had immediate questions that needed answers at the end of last episode. And I will say I felt dissatisfied knowing that I will not get those conversations that inevitably would have to happen after an event like that.
0: Yeah, I, I remember in season three of The Expanse, a show that I love, being outraged in the middle of the season when the dish fucking plot advanced a year. And there yep. was so much interesting stuff. What the fuck? I can't believe. <laughs> but then I saw the rest of the season. I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. I didn't care about any of that shit. I wanted to see this shit. Right. So right. I'm going to try. Like I said, I, I really respect Issa Lopez's storytelling abilities. I thought Tigers Are Not Afraid is fucking amazing. One of the best horror shows I've seen in the past decade um i'm willing to see where this goes and i'm also like if she doesn't connect a circle and this ends up be i can't imagine this is going to be a shit show let's say it's you know uh uh, a a solid b or c plus i'm still going to watch the next thing she does and i hope she gets more work so um let's move on to the next one from chicago mike says for all the internet points pushing them all into a pile I'd like to argue Rose is Evangeline's multiple personality disorder. And he kind of explains in a paragraph or two in a very similar way, the whole Tyler Durden fight club. Sure. Potentially yeah. Marla and fight club situation. He lines, he lays it out like this at first when we saw Rose and the ice after calling in the bodies, everyone walks by her and only Evangeline talks to her. Danvers goes right by her clocked her immediately as a ghost later on. Rose says, don't confuse the spiritual realm with mental health issues. This really reminded me of the Sixth Sense. I see dead people, but they don't know they're dead. Again, clocked is a dead ghost. However, we've seen three ghosts now, and Rose doesn't look anything like them. Evangeline has some severe trauma, like talking to someone missing half their head, like Bob losing half his head in Fight Club. And that could trigger, trigger multiple personality disorder. But the convincer was Christmas dinner when Evangeline asked, what's your real name, Rose? I jokingly said to myself, Tyler Durden. But just like in Fight Club, it felt like we lost cabin pressure. My ears, they're bleeding. I thought this pairs, like your emails, well with the next one, which is from Eric, who was one of the producers of our recent Groundhog Day marathon. He says, oh, I want to chime it. in with the take I haven't seen yet. I'm really intrigued by the character of Rose. She seems to be the sort of moral compass for Navarro, uh, filling the role of a mentor in Evie's Hero's Journey. The Christmas party she holds in episode four maybe think she might also fill a different role, that uh one that's eerily Dickinson. Rose states that there are three types of ghosts. The first miss you, the second have something to tell you that you need to hear, and the third just want you to take them with or take you with them. These three roles of ghosts align closely with those three ghosts in Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. The ghost of Christmas past misses you, the ghost of Christmas present tells you something you need to hear, the ghost of Christmas future wants to take you with them. Rose's setup during the Christmas episode is very, quote unquote, ghost of Christmas present, with her ample feast and her festive red gown. Travis serves as the ghost of Christmas past, missing his love, Rose, and the other apparitions, like Julia and Julia's mom, feel the role of ghost of Christmas future, much more menacing and seemingly trying to drag the living away with them. Up until this point, I'm fairly certain the Roses only interact with Evangeline in this series. I'm curious to see if Peter will stumble upon an empty cabin when he takes the bodies to Rose in the finale. Is she a helpful confidant or a ghost like the others? Jim Jones, you've heard the evidence. What say you?
1: I'm not convinced, but let's see what John G. has to say, because he also spoke about this in email Uh, he says, speaking of Rose, there have been a lot of theories of late that she is a ghost herself or somehow not real. The sticking point on that is Peter. He clearly says in episode one that Rose Agnew found the bodies. However, we don't see Peter say this. We only hear it on the phone in a room with Navarro and Danvers, so it's still possible we're hearing it through Navarro's perspective. But then in the last episode, she says for Peter to take the bodies to Rose, he doesn't say, Rose, who the hell is that? Uh, uh, this is a it, hard one
0: for the Rose Ghost people to explain, right?
1: I, I agree. Yeah, when he says she says take the bodies to Rose, he's not like Rose hasn't been alive for six, six, seven years, twelve years. Yeah, like Rose died when I was eight. Or there's no Rose in town. Uh, you mean you mean the florist? Like, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. He's not confused by that at all. Yeah. And
0: I think that um I was hot for the theory. Like well, I I first I got a bunch. I got this a bunch. The first guy I I, that we read it's was everywhere. the first one. Uh, Eric was I think uh, uh, I I hadn't seen that Dickinson take too, which I thought was really tasty.
1: Yeah. But three kinds of ghosts with the mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and at at this point, like, they would have to do some... Because I I was thinking, like, well, she's a ghost, then like, well, who the hell found the bodies? Did they just accidentally find the bodies? Did Navarro find the bodies and pass it off as Rose in her head? Why doesn't anyone ask her more about questions about finding the bodies? It's already weird enough the police don't follow up with Rose, but they don't follow up with a fellow officer. It's like, I feel Mm -hmm. like there'd be I could see it, but there'd be some explaining to do in the final episode. I just... We also see theory. scenes
1: from Rose's perspective, which you would have to say is actually from Evangeline's perspective if you think Rose is just a ghost because like her gutting the wolf or whatever she was gutting earlier on uh sure. and seeing Travis and following Travis. That's all from her perspective.
0: Doing the dishes from
1: her perspective? Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um unless I guess I'd have to look and see when we see the inside of Evie's house, if it matches Rose's house, because if I really don't think so, if her kitchen matched that kitchen, then you'd have the Tyler Durden where we're not, we're just seeing Evie have an experience. Um, mm-hmm. But like, yeah, without that, without that caveat, like how would that even work? You'd like, that'd be like uh Scrooge not even being aware of the first ghost. The first ghost talks to the second ghost,
1: mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. a ghost perspective I mean you totally could so it's just, we'll see yeah.
0: I'm not saying it's impossible but I would it would it would add it would add a little bit more slop to the series that is is got got enough I think
1: right, well John G has another point here about Kavik. Um says I know it's been pointed out before that Kavik's name means Wolverine in Inupiaq and people have pointed out that he has a bunch of dogs that his house is covered in references to dogs and wolves and he tried to make they've tried to make something of that There is some connection to the Sedna mythology since one of those versions has her marrying a dog, and some say Navarro's Nupiak name might be Sedna. Up until now, I have thought that if it's anything, it's just mood and tone around Kavik's character. But in season five, or sorry, episode five, when Navarro shows up after her fight, he's asleep with a book in his hands. He's reading Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? I'm not saying Kavik couldn't be a big Edward Albee fan, but... From what we know of him so far, it does stick out. Why make that what they chose to have him reading? That play's title is a riff on Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf from Disney's Three Little Pigs, and that's the tune they sing the title song to in the play. The play is about a miserable middle-aged couple who are childless but pretend to have a child as a game between themselves. But then, When the wife speaks of their son to a young couple they have over for dinner, taking the game outside just the two of them, the husband pretends he's just had uh word that their son was involved in a car accident and is dead which eventually reveals to the young couple that there was never a son is isa trying to say that something about made-up children uh is isa trying to say something about made-up children or is she reaching through that to get uh at three little pigs and the suggestion of a big bad danger in a wolf in sheep's clothing because ultimately they do defeat that wolf it's hard to know. I mean, sometimes I get me
0: emails like this. It reminds me back in the the Mad Men hate glory days when the oh, season yeah. opened with Don Draper on a beach reading Dante's Inferno, and then everybody's like, "Oh, here's all nine levels of hell," mm-hmm. uh, and, and then here Pete's here in level seven, and Betty's here at that, and John, and it turns out no, none of that shit was true. It was just, it, it was just uh, Matthew Weiner matthew Weiner kind of kind of the show you know just just uh i don't know being middle brow smart um sometimes like i already see like even even just the suggestion that a, car, a son dies in a car accident like that could be that, that 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 i think that um showrunners get a lot of pleasure in putting those little easter eggs in it doesn't have to be a literal fulfillment but you know I, I think that like true Detective shows like it definitely brings this out of people like where they're trying to everything has to mean something everything so, so the careful attention yeah. to detail and thinking that reminds me of all the time we drew, got, we got trying to go crazy trying to fit in what the hell's going on with marty's daughter and if she's part of the sex cult because she and had right, with a uh, spiral she had the weird Barbies staged of, you know, mm-hmm. into some kind of gangbang thing, and she's drawing weird pictures of masked men with their dicks out, and no, that was just Marty's life intruding in his family life. It's like uh, happening on the metaphorical and the physical level. Um, and those spiral drawings were just the the, the, the set director je- decorating a kid's room with stuff his kids drew. So it's like, sometimes cigar's just a cigar, man. Uh sometimes sure. uh, the three yeah so i i, I don't know it, it could be and off the, the more you can go deep with these easter eggs that'd be awesome i just i just don't know i don't know if i buy it yeah we'll see zach says i've been thinking about the spiral and other symbols uh geography class i took many many years ago uh this one lecture stayed with me or at least the idea from the lecture which was on a warning sign and how to convince people not to come to a specific place For example, what if civilization collapsed? How do we set up signs to let people know that places where, for example, nuclear waste are stored should be avoided? They've lost the knowledge of what nuclear waste is or even nuclear power. What can we do to warn them to avoid the area? I'm wondering if some of the spirals and other symbolism is there as a warning from ancient people for us to stay away from some reason. Zach, you were 99.5% of the way there. These spirals were symbology to warn people from dangerous places. Mm-hmm. it just doesn't seem like it's all that ancient
1: or maybe it started ancient it goes to the present day so like I mean, yeah the the, sim, the symbology might be ancient the mm-hmm. use of it might not be because um, yeah. Rose says the symbol is ancient it's prehistoric yeah, yeah. I,
0: I will say that like that's the other thing I was going to talk about the Rose being a ghost is it would make sense for Rose to not know anything that Evangeline doesn't know so for her to be like this is an ancient Symbol and not elaborate could be Seen as Navarro surmising Something but she can't go back and ask Rose more questions because she doesn't know the answers She can't ask sure. Rose anything that she doesn't know Or subconsciously have a Have a have a leaning on but again yeah. I, I said I don't I don't buy that but That's where I was running until I got John G Slapping me silly straight
1: Uh, So yeah I just yeah. Want to give Zach some some internet credit there I mean I think that's a super not to totally derail the conversation but like the nuclear waste thing is super interesting to me because the half-life on that stuff is so long and whatever sign you put up could potentially be gone before the radioactivity is so like you have to put up a sign that lasts as long as the radioactivity itself here's a
0: hot take Yeah, fuck them post-World War 3 monkey men (laughs) Let them die. Let, Let them figure shit out. out on radioactivity. Yeah, fuck them. They're either ten thousand years, if you do not even real people. We're fucking people over right now. We're starting spending more money and time trying to protect God. these mythical future post-apocalyptic cavemen than we do mm-hmm. children going to school getting
1: get them school lunches.
0: How about that? That's a take. <laughs>
1: And to the post-apocalyptic monkey men listening to this on the thumb drive they found next to the nuclear, act- nuclear reactor. nuclear reactor, No, I, I, I appreciate you. You're people, too. Uh, if, assuming you figured out how to speak English, I, yeah, I'm with you. Go, you monkey men. Do your thing.
0: <laughs> Jim's sucking the dick of
1: cavemen yet born. Disgusting. I will not have it, uh, on it the Look, podcast. man, I'm preserving the future reputation of this podcast for the ages that's what i'm doing yeah well good luck boys <laughs> good good luck play with that shiny dull gray metal you dig up out of the ground see what gets you get yeah <laughs> all right let's move on to adam fowler who says don't you think it's weird that there doesn't appear to be a single reporter in ennis this would be international news a group of foreign nationals mysteriously found dead and not a single journalist is trying to cover it Nobody from the State Department seems to care, not to mention the miraculous survival of one of the scientists. There should be a huge media scrum in the town. Even just a quick scene of Danvers rushing to the police station past a group of eager reporters or a short press conference would lend some credibility to the show. You could argue that they've kept a tight lid on it, and due to the remoteness, it hasn't leaked yet. But considering how lax the security is in the hockey rink, there's no way someone hasn't snuck in and taken a picture of the corpse sickle and sold it on some tabloid.
0: Yeah, I think I I think some of this is just Issa Lopez is imagining what it's like to live in a small remote town of Alaska. And, you know, she's like really taking serious the research she does in the native uh, folk and seems like she involved a lot of those people in the production. So they got those details right. The details of living in a small remote Alaskan town and maybe the police work that goes on there. Not so much. So. Could be. Cause there's a lot, like I, there's a lot of people wrote in. It's like so you got to fly grandma out to see the dentist, but you've got a full on crematorium, you know, mm-hmm. Uh that you've got, you know, you've got uh like a SWAT team that you can deploy within a moment's notice. You got it is weird. It's like you got this like really big town kind of aspects of Innis, and then you got the really small. So it's like I, I think she's there's a little fast and loose there.
1: Well, you got to look at, you got to follow the money. What does the mining company care about? They might care about security. They might want to have a lot of troops on hand if they know there have been protests in the past. What they don't want? Some nosy ass reporter digging around. So, you know, they're Mm. not going to fund local journalism, but they will fund local police states. (laughs) yeah or the 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 local newspapers the silver sky the silver
0: sky times you know it's just bought and paid for yeah essentially a corporate newsletter yeah yeah could be uh people are saying that black water is all the rage you know i hear tell there's people paying five thousand dollars for those all black hamburgers oh yeah and you're drinking black water for free (laughs) wait Wait until the Kardashians feature their bottled black water. Everybody's going to want to have it. But you got, you know, like it's that's that's page mm-hmm. two of the Silver Sky Express. Confidential. What's this? A Silver, Silver Sky Times. Yeah. Yeah. Gnarl says, I'm putting on my twist and shout tinfoil hat for this one. Twist and shout is a song encouraging its audience to dance. And the show Twist and Shout always seems to be playing in the aftermath of a tragedy. The imagery of the corpsicle even evokes, literally evokes, twisting and shouting. Travis Cole, Jules and Navarro's mother, despite being deceased, communicate with living through two methods, dancing and screaming. In other words, twisting and shouting. One of the inspirations of her modern vision, Visage of Death, the Grim Reaper, is the dance macabre or dance of death from medieval France. The dance of death is meant to be an allegory for the universality of death, the idea that kings, peasants, miners, climate activists, scientists, and everyone in between will not escape death and eventually dance along to the graves. I postulate that Night Country uses the song Twist and Shout as an aural motif, suggesting or
1: symbolizing the allegory of the dance macabre. Wow. I do wonder what Paul McCartney would say about that. that would be an exciting what he intended (laughs) right right uh okay yeah i mean you lay out some good ideas there i can see i can see where you're coming up with this stuff sure why not i mean it's definitely a motif of some kind
0: (laughs) sure I think the gnarles is one of the guys seeing skulls on the Alaskan state trooper patches. Okay. Might yeah. have huffed too much psychosphere.
1: I, sometimes I think maybe I don't huff enough.
0: You know, just saying it's, it's I was busy this weekend. I didn't have time yeah. to strap on the dentist mask, you know, or you just mainline it. You mm, just kind of like mm. get comfortable and just, just huff that psychosphere as long as you
1: want. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to, Nate from Morgantown, West Virginia. My job is in the remediation of pollution from coal mining in Appalachia, so I wanted to share an idea that could explain the conditions of Annie K.'s murder, why she was in the caves in the first place, and why someone wanted want to move her body so it wouldn't be found there. All right, I'm already way into this email. Uh, a common byproduct of mining is something called acid mine drainage, or AMD. I love their microchips. Me too. So tasty. Uh, When underground mines are flooded after they have been mined, the water leaches contaminant metals from the mine surface, which creates a nasty, metal-laden solution that can pollute waterways if that water discharges from the mine. My theory is that Annie Kay entered the ice caves looking for evidence of pollution and found something like this. Polluted drainage could have leaked from the mine into the natural ice caves, or even more nefariously, the mine could have purposely discarded polluted water there, resulting in the polluted water... Uh, polluted mine water continuing to migrate until it entered the drinking water supply. In Appalachia, AMD is typically a distinct orange color due to iron, so the multiple references to black water could be some other type of metal or contaminant being present in the water. My bet is that once Danvers and Navarro get into the ice caves, they're going to find a big old pond of black water that evil mine lady doesn't want anyone to find. I think you're right on. I, I mean, it's looking more and more like this is just straight up mine pollution corruption story so just like they're sluicing this
0: down the ice caves yep making sure nobody can find it it's leaching into the groundwater because of global warming because that's another thing that like uh lopez mm-hmm. mentioned on the podcast for this week that this is a, a kind of like there's also a little bit of uh uh ostrich in the sand uh global warming thing so it's like yeah it's never it be a problem with-
1: that that being you know a 30 year old problem that people have been ignoring right I mean it's not like people yeah. haven't been saying the, the Otis Heises out there haven't been experiencing this for 30 years yeah yeah this is yeah it's
0: fine because like you you not heard of it late but like I thought it was interesting Um, at the Indiana or Cincinnati uh, Natural Hist- History Museum they had uh, an Apollo 11 exhibit traveling exhibit and one of the things they had like exclusive to this museum is I guess the little Armstrong uh, came to the museum to like dedicate some exhibit back in like 1971. And they had his, the notes from his speech like laid out on like, you could see all three of them. And he was talking about global warming and climate change back in 1971. Wow. And saying that people weren't taking it seriously. And you know, this, uh, so I, yeah, this has been, this has been stuff that uh, just like the smoking industry, it's more and more we find out that the natural gas, the fossil fuel industry has known there is Mm -hmm. tons of problems in terms of lead in the environment. They drug their feet kicking and screaming, made us all violent, crazy assholes for a whole generation or two before we put a stop to that. And they've been smothering the planet and they've known about it for a long, long time and have been lied about. So it's like, yeah, it it, it fits really neatly. I do think... Maybe I'm getting crazy now because I do think it's going to be Blackwater. Plus, I do think there's something else yeah, that yeah. she's awoken. There's something else <laughs> to mm-hmm. it, or at least debatably something else to it. But I don't know, maybe that's the tension. Maybe there's going to be some obvious Sedna stuff, but there's also going to be the Blackwater. And if you're on Team Rational, you just go crazy water. And if you're on Team Spiritual, Sedna calling people, who knows? Josh P. in Maine says, by the uh, so the way I saw the movie Elf being on TV, besides being a Christmas movie, was to draw parallels between Buddy and Navarro. Buddy is trying to find out of his heritage while feeling like he might not fit in with either the human world or with elves. Navarro has the same struggle identifying with her uh, heritage. However, Leah is being raised by Danvers. So I guess you could make a connection there to Buddy being raised by the elves. Anyway, it's not really integral to the plot, but those are the things that have made this season like a flowerless torte. Dense, rich, and satisfying. Is it tort? Tort. tort. Yeah. I thought this was super interesting, especially since, you know, just like Buddy went from the Arctic Circle in the North Pole down to New York City, mm-hmm. Danvers made the same trip with her mom to Boston.
1: Boston. Yeah. Which All is right. The New York of the South colonies. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I certainly. uh, Yeah, I like that. It connects it way better than I could have last episode. Yeah, and
0: getting Lee in there too, I think, is super cool. So I, uh, big big, good
1: good good note because I I had no idea, and I think I think Josh cracked (laughs) the code. All right, we got one more here from Allison from Dallas. Uh, Thought I would mention that although the sound machine is not particularly marketed as a child sound machine. It is the one I use for my daughters uh, from their crib until now when they're five and nine. It's a very popular model for children. Many of my mom friends have the same one because of its longevity, ease and portability, and good selection of white noise. My long-winded way of saying maybe it was Holden's, and she started using it after as a way to never be alone with her thoughts, which, oh, that seems like the, a terrible idea. It's like if he mm. died as a baby and she shook the rattle to keep from thinking about her dead son. That's... This was his, uh, but yeah, you could be onto something. I like it. I like it that like yeah, it's a mom,
0: you know, it's an artifact. Uh, she has a hard time sleeping. That's a comforting sound. Reminds of her son. It's her son's literal white noise machine. I like it. It's another yeah. no, another yeah. good one there, Allison. Uh, and that is it. Like I said, we got a ton, got a ton of feedback, more than we can read. Uh, obviously, we had a two-hour podcast. So we still didn't get to all of it. Ugh. I apologize if we couldn't get to to, to everybody's thoughts, but. Uh, try again. Try again this week. Run the gauntlet again. True Detective at BaldMove.com. Maybe this will be... And also, this is the last time to kind of get a real free base hit of the psychosphere. I mean, oh, we'll know everything there is to know after next week. So, mm-hmm. get your bets in. True Detective at BaldMove.com. Please follow us on any social media at BaldMove. And if you'd like, if you think we're doing a good job, if you like our thoughts and our independent podcasting here out of the Queen City, Cincinnati, Ohio we'd love to have your support Support support.baldmove.com you can get a lot of free cool things for yourself ad free feeds extra bonus content lunch with Jim and Aaron and more to the point this weekend immediately you can discuss the episode with me and Jim and the rest of the bald move community uh, after the episode airs on Sunday night around 10pm well unless it's a 90 minute episode it'll be 1030 but you can do the math
1: Uh, that's it I think you'll know when the episode ends
0: yeah, I think and then we'll <laughs> ten minutes later we'll be we'll be talking about it live on the internet. Yeah. Uh support.ballmove.com. Good work detectives. We'll see it this weekend to see uh whether Lopez is able to pilot this uh what am I going for? Like some kind of bush plane in the Alaska just pontoon pull, plane. Pull She's a trying a clean, sa- core a clean sample out of this iceberg. Trying to core a know. clean sample without destroying the genetic material of True Detective. Yep. We'll find out together Sunday <laughs> night. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you, everybody.